Ben McCann. Greetings, and welcome to Wake the Dead. Today, we are very pleased to have returning guest, Lynn Monet. Welcome, Lynn. Hello. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. I was really looking forward to doing this with you today. Awesome. Well, we are very happy to have you back. Uh, our last conversation was so interesting. It was just infinitely interesting. You, It was episode 84, and you were here with our friend Jerry Marzinski, uh, Dr. Jerry, as you call him. And uh, we spoke about how you um, you are have the gift of second sight. Yes. And you spoke with us about how you could see those very voices that plague schizophrenics, that Jerry had the same type of schizophrenics that Jerry has dealt with. And, uh, and so... But you, you also told us about other types of attachments, as you call them. Uh, you described about how uh, drug addicts and alcoholics have attachments as well, but they're different. They hang on the back like a backpack. And like the monkey on your back, it's like very, it's ironic that, that they chose that. And, Literally. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, although they're not monkeys, they're either reptilian or spider-like, or what was the other? I think there was. And, the and there was a crab, and actually, sometimes crab. too, there's um, there's this new one that I've seen on this person that was kind of snake, more snake-looking, kind of more wrapping around. It's wow. the first time I've seen one of those. So yeah, that was. So there's a new one. Oh, on the block. oh lord <laughs> oh lord okay so so like that's for the the addicts have to deal with that and you described from your your experience and your family uh family member that had a uh a, an addiction attachment mm -hmm. and uh when he cured well not cured but when he was uh sober it would detach but it would still hang around forever it was just there. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because I've been through the AA and I know, you know, people, they'll tell you not even once you can't do the, cause all of a sudden, boom, you're right back in. I've known many people that have relapsed and died opiates and stuff. I'm from Massachusetts. There's a lot of that up there. Um, so it makes sense to me. I'm like, when you tell me these things, I'm like, Oh yeah. So, so, okay. We got the schizophrenic voices that hang off of the shoulders and they're up near the ear. You told us about how they got this like little twisted horn thing that they. It, yeah. It attaches at the top of the shoulder and it kind of cups around underneath to the armpit. It's like a C shape or a G even with the, the, the way that it kind of clasps and it doesn't go all the way around like a ring. So yeah. it kind of rises up just a little bit up off of the shoulder. Wow. If that makes sense. And that was how you were able to get your fingers in that time when you mm -hmm. were, when you helped that young lady as you were like a student nurse and this young girl with scratches all over herself was being mm -hmm. plagued by these voices and you were, you saw them and you just, without thinking, just 
unhooked them and they fell to the floor and rolled off like mm-hmm. these like a sack of potatoes uh and these misformed misshapen heads I- inverted and all speaking into her ear yes as a matter of fact i've drawn a picture of that and it's very third grade but i didn't have one with me the last time on the show so i wanted just so that you have an idea this is supposed to be the back of a person these are their arms this yeah. is the back of their head it looks similar to this and if you look closely you can see the eyes and nose and mouths Some of them are inverted and upside down or sideways or facing one way or the other. And they were misshapen like potatoes. But there were so many of them that you could have actually taken a standard size pillowcase and scooped them into it and they would have filled it. So, yeah, with with that on there on that poor girl. And, you know, something else I was on a show yesterday and and the host asked me a question that I've never been asked before. And I really thought about it Um, because this girl had mentioned that she had been. Um, from 10 years old on to 14, she'd been molested by her pastor in her church. And then her mother got remarried at at 14. Her stepfather started raping her until 16 and she ran away and she started into devil worship. And then she realized that that wasn't for her. And this was actually her first day in the, in the mental facility. She was in the intake area. Um, the question that the host had asked me was, do you feel that the demon worship is what brought on the schizophrenia? And, you know, I thought about that, and I don't think so. I think that the trauma brought on the schizophrenia right. and the dark forces that were feeding off of the negative sorrow and anger and desperation of this poor young girl who was being taken advantage of, then they were feeding on it is what brought them in that encouraged her to do the devil worship so that they could fully attach. That, right. That's that's what I believe. Because a lot of times these schizophrenics, these voices are affiliated with trauma that is created. And they love to create trauma. They love it because the rippling effect that that trauma creates for that person, you know, of job loss, in some cases in a divorce or, you know, they're older people or having their kids taken away for that matter, that rippling effect of negativity and emotion, um, they feed off of. It's their candy. Um, it also makes them able to do more physical acts in addition, you know, with the voices because like it, it takes, gives them strength. Yes, it does. It, 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 they go on a feeding frenzy whenever it happens. And it not only gives them strength, but, um, well, in addition to giving them strength, it gives them the ability to talk. And that's why people, when they're latched onto them, they almost have a gray ashen appearance and they complain of being tired whenever the voices, they've been hearing the voices because the, the voices are drawing the energy off of the person's energy field in order to be able to be heard or felt or seen for that matter. And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting to be under that tremendous negative pull. Um, I know myself in going into homes, which is a little bit uh, off the beaten path, but to help clear hauntings and things like that, you're constantly under attack by those negative forces that do not want you there. So I can understand very much how exhausted they are having to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. It is incapacitating. It is debilitating you know, for them to even function as normal people when all you can do and want to do is sleep. And I can understand it because I know that there are some houses that I have cleared that I have literally slept 18 hours and only gotten up to go to the bathroom and and, and not even eat, just get a drink of water. 
and just go back to bed. It, it can do that to you. Wow. So you have to recharge. Yeah. That, uh, Jerry, Jerry found that too. Um, in the clinical setting, he was able to ask the person like, and he said that that is a symptom. Like it always happens with these voice. That's how they operate. So it's very interesting. You, you mentioned something important. You said that trauma is the cause. Um, I, I think that is a huge element that we should really take in and assimilate into our knowledge set because um, trauma is what changes people. Trauma mm -hmm. is, is the, the plan that the Satanists use to affect the world in their favor. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, it creates this fear and uh compliance and dissociation um so that's like one of that's like their biggest tool and it seems as though they learned that from the voices like from the other side taught them to do that it's like they're working in league with the voices it seems that they're uh the, there's a human evil that is working congruently with the the uh, invisible evil. The spiritual evil, yes, absolutely. Totally, right. totally. And it's on an energetic level. Everything is about energy. We are energy. We're actually made, we're electric. There's a synapse in the heart that literally every time it beats, it, it, it shows a spark. And we're water. Can you imagine that? We yeah. can electrocute ourselves. So... <laughs> You know, so we are, we're water and we're electric, but we, the thing that's never addressed in the medical field or with any type of mental issues is that there's also, and I, I, there's an energetic field. Some people would call it more spiritual or energetic. It has to have some form of a title that every lay person can understand. And spiritual doesn't necessarily mean Christian or Jewish or Jehovah's Witness or, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's an encompassing um, spirituality, meeting your connection with your source or, or, you know, even with yourself for that matter, for, with the protection. And when people have a trauma occur, especially early in their life, they have what I call cracks in the windshield, which is there are openings that are left in their arc field. So they don't have that rebound protection that when something approaches to attach or to interfere with their life, most of the time it'll rebound off. And people will take a shower, they'll wash their bodies, they'll, they'll eat good food and take their vitamins to take care of their physical part of their, you know, their, their internal part of their body, but they don't recognize and take care of that spiritual part of the body. And again, I don't mean like not, you know, having to attend something, but I'm talking about um, cleaning your field. And this can be done with salt baths. And there's a certain ritual to them that you do them and you do um, recite some form of, you know, spiritual thing. I like Psalms. Um, Psalms is, is a good go-to. Um, I'm more spiritual than religious, but I still go to Psalms because it seems in the case of these type of attachments, 
not the attachments for addiction, but the attachments for schizophrenia, that it is very effective. They, they hate it. They also hate joy and laughter. And that's why they're more able to attach onto people that are at, that are kind of at, we had, there are different levels of energy. And if you are kind of at that sub energy of level, you are a target. So if there's a way that you can find to even fake it until you make it, a smile on your face. You know, you're in pain, but you smile. And, and the complaining about the negative, try to look at it in a different way to, to have it be a positive. It can make a huge difference in your life when it comes to those attachments because the attachments try to alienate you from others that can assist you. And those people um, are often seen when they come around people that are spiritual as almost energy vampires because they're so depleted that they have to pull away from you unintentionally to get their, their fill, but then they don't keep it there. They then eventually go back down to that lower level again and then need that refill, need that refill instead of refilling themselves through, through keeping their auric field um, sealed. And that's another thing too. If anybody has surgery, you need to get your salt baths in for 10 days because that, that cutting of the skin also cuts into that energy field and will leave an opening as well. So wow. it makes sense that Satanists work for doctors too, because they do all the cutting. Like, um, so the, you said that cracks when we're young of the trauma causes an opening so it's easier for them to latch on. Yes. Normally our arc fields and people, I mean, everybody, they talk about your, your, your space bubble. You know, if you're standing in a grocery store and you're there with your cart, you can sense when somebody's walked up behind you with theirs without even looking, you know? So, um, we, we all have that bubble and they kind of mesh into each other once in a while, especially with loved ones and children and our, you know, our spouses and things like that. And there are other times that they rebound off when they're people that aren't familiar, but yet you can feel them there. Hmm. When, when a person is, um, I don't want to say more advanced spiritually, because we all are born with the gifts. It's just they're either nurtured or they're not and that it really is the family dynamic and their the religious dynamic of all of that so um and sometimes even when they're not nurtured they still come through but they, they make you feel like there's something wrong with you because you know everybody's telling you that you that you're a weirdo or they're putting you into a mental institution telling you that you wow. you know you have problems yeah. there you know a lot of the people in the mental institution were empaths Right. I went. I went into an area with a lady that um, was sitting at a round table, and she was having coffee, and she was talking to three other people at this round table because <sighs> there right. were four chairs. Yeah, you know, and she didn't have attachments on her, but she had this huge light about her that indicated to me that she was an empath because hers was bigger than anybody else's in the room. And here, the it, it, it was sad because. No family came around anymore or loved ones because they all thought these people were crazy. These people were basically put in this section of the mental hospital until they die. And um, the nurse said, oh, well, that's so-and-so. And she's um, talking to people that aren't there. But I could see clearly that she had three people at the table with her in spirit form that she was having a nice conversation with. And she was being a wonderful hostess. And it was, and it was too, like, you know, Jerry had mentioned, it was like she was on the telephone having a conversation and you could actually 
get an idea of what the conversation was on the other end by what she was replying to. (laughs) So, and and it wasn't that vocabulary salad that they have, um, you know, a lot of them. and. And a lot of that vocabulary salad is when multiple voices speak at one time and they're getting pieces and bits and pieces and, you know, they're, they're, they're repeating whatever is, is being said in their ear, copying it, but it's because they've got five of them talking at one huh. time, so it doesn't make sense. Right. You they're know, responding this, to both or at three times, three at the same time or whatever. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that one, that lady, um, for anybody that's listening to this program at the first uh for the first time the lady that sean was mentioning was a patient in a mental hospital and she had 25 attachments uh, these head things on her back which i showed her did i show the picture of that already yes, yes okay did. and um when she got up to walk away i could see this and she really was hearing the 25 different voices you know and and the thing was is the the institution was claiming that she had schizophrenia and that the claw marks that she had on her were self-inflicted and and they they weren't they were you know it's not possible for her to reach right there is no way yeah yeah well and that the angle especially the ones all over her back like in the center part between her shoulder blades you know there was there was no way that that you know she would have been able to have at that angle to have clawed herself in that way you know, and you did this miraculous thing. You went and pulled them off with your fingers, as and she said that it felt like you were pulling grass out of her skin. Yes, she did, and she didn't know I was doing it. And you know, I wasn't going to do it because there is kind of a spiritual thing that does go along with it, where I have to prepare myself. I have to be fully rested. I need to make sure that I don't. I'm my health is in in good a good status. That I don't have a sniffly nose or. You know, I'm not because they know, would not, attach to you, maybe, right? Yes, exactly. And right. you have to go through your salt baths beforehand and make sure that your arc field is as big as you can get it before you go into take on something like that. Otherwise, you may end up taking them home. And recently, my um, my sister passed away in June, and one of her friends came to the house, and she was complaining about. Feeling depressed and things were coming into her mind, and she obviously had an attachment on her. And I took the attachment off of her, and it got on me. Oh no! Yes, and I well because I was dealing with a loss, which of course to me death is. You were already sad, right? Right, and I'm dealing with the stress of managing an estate with no will. So I'm I'm having to do. All she had no husband. I mean, I'm having to do all. She had one child right. that's in a, that's not able to assist her because of of um, he's Down syndrome. I mean, he oh, has no. some some issues that he can't make adult decisions. So I've had to take over all of that. So there were all of these components. Plus, she had an aviary with over a hundred birds in her backyard. Oh, no. And here I am for five days having to find placement for all of these birds. So, so the stress the and stress. the yeah, yeah, so my that art, caused cracks, right? Well, it it caused mine to thin so much that it was only this far from my body. And the reason and the way that the thing attached was, I felt this thing attached to me. But it felt like I was pregnant, only the baby was on the outside of my body instead of the huh. inside of my body. So I could feel this jiggling in front, Whoa. you know, of my body like a big blubbery belly. But it wasn't. I, I'm I'm a little chunky monkey, but I have a flat stomach. Thank you very much. But um, it was it was like having 
this jelly stuff in front. And so I called a friend of mine who also with the remote viewing and I made mention, I said, look, I've got an attachment on me. I need you to get it off because I wasn't able, I, again, it takes power for you and it's already draining your power too. Exactly. Yes. And I'm trying, you know, to take it off and I don't want it to attach to my son who's there with me. And, um, so they, she went in, I have a, I know of a lady in Canada that can do it remotely I need to do it more in person because I'm more of a physical person with my things. I'm, I'm learning more and more. Um, if anybody says that they're an expert in this field, they're a liar because none of us are. There's always something new to throw you a curveball, and what right. you think you know, you may not know either all of it, or it might be a little twist on it that you didn't realize was there. So we're all learning. All of us are learning. Nobody's an expert. But um, I actually had to, and I mean, it took her a good hour to get it off of me, um, what it was. And, and she's like, she's like, man, it, it had actually started to burrow in under my skin and, and it had like this tail thing that wrapped around and was like in my, in the top of my, my coccyx area, which is the bone just above your butt crack, for lack of a better word. But yeah. um, that little V-shaped thing, and um, and she and she's like, and it was ugly. It had a lot of teeth, and it wasn't yours. You you got it from the person that you were taking it off of, and I knew that because I felt it after I had taken it off, and it wasn't hers either. She had picked it up in a grocery wow. store off of somebody. So, so you can literally get it from a grocery store. You can get these attachments mm-hmm. if you're not if your auric field has cracks. And you're feeling depressed and weak and you've been traumatized by the world and you look at the news and you see that Gaza's being destroyed and you're like, oh, and you go to the grocery store to get some poisonous, you know, prepackaged crap. And then there's somebody else that feels like that. And then what do they do? They just talk or they just jump when they just see a new person. They just they can because maybe maybe the person that they're clinging to is not quite as depressed as you are. And you might be more fun of a ride. (laughs) So So they can see it on you. And it's like, yes, they can see your light. They can see your arc field. They can see where the gaps are because it's all energetic. And um, I've I've actually walked through a grocery store. Um, Sometimes these archons that that tack onto people, which are the ones with addiction, the spiders have these willowy legs that almost look like a, like a, one of those long marabou feathers, but the little skinny ones with all of the little, little um, facets Uh, that come off of it type thing. Like, like a barb, but they're soft. You know what I'm saying? And they, yeah. and they kind of fly out to the side and I'm like, woo, you know, wow. missed that one. But the thing so is, what, is, the one that I'm sorry, but the one that was on you attached from the other person, was that a crab or a spider? No, and that wasn't, that was not even an archon. That was this, this I, monstrous thing that she destri- described to me that had rows and rows and rows and rows of teeth. And it was kind of a bluish color that was attached in the front of my abdomen, which was where its face and body was, but then it had this tail thing that wrapped around to my back and was oh. drilling into my lower back into the top of my rear end. Oh, so, um, you know, and you got and, a chakra right there in that area. Yes, you, you do. Know. And it was lined up at the, at three of them. It was at this the one the um, solar plexus. It was at the one below, and it was drilling that thing in through the bottom one as well. Oh my god! So yeah, so you've got to be careful and 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 be aware. Um, joy and happiness is always a repellent. And the thing is, is that I've been taking, 
some of these things off of people. And what I'm finding is I've had a lot of Jerry's clients that'll call and they'll say, you know, um, I think I have an attachment. I'll make an appointment with them to see them online. And sure enough, they sometimes even have more than one. But the thing is, is that once these attachments are taken off of them, because they've had to deal and remind me to tell you about pain, because that's another one too. That's a big one. I'm gonna write it down so I don't forget okay. it. Okay. okay. A lot. Yeah. A lot of times too, because they've had to deal with it for so long, for such a major portion of their life, like like decades of their life, and they've had to have create coping skills that aren't exactly the healthiest ones to have in order to adapt or to work around this this issue. Um, that they have that when the then when the attachments are taken off, they keep doing those same habits. And the thing is, is when you yeah when you take it off because they're kind of at a little bit of a lower vibration, and you bring their vibration up to here when you remove it, they are more comfortable reaching back for the old habits and the old coping skills, right. which then leaves them open for something or the thing that we took off to reattach. And I'm having a really, really hard time with people with that. Instead of taking it and moving forward, they are afraid of, of the, unex the unknown because at least this, this thing on them have, has become familiar. Right. So it's something that they know what to expect. They've learned how to deal with it. They know what it is. And they and they reach backwards, and that's part of that's part of the problem is is getting them to realize that they they have to not only keep their arc field um, strong, but they also need to have new habits in order not to reach backwards, but to reach forward and to leave it behind. Right. So you know, I mean, and it's hard to take a and, and I don't mean this to sound condescending. But it's hard to take a pacifier away from a baby, you know, type thing. And, and yeah. you know, they're constantly looking for it and looking for it for a couple of days, and then they're good to go. If people, when they get these things removed, can make it through those first three days after I've taken something off of you, you've got a good chance in going forward and faking it until you make it works. Because right. the thing about the energetic world and these attachments is – you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, how could they know? You know, they threaten me with things that nobody else could know. Well, you've got to remember, they've been with you the whole time. They saw what you did. They heard what you talked about that you were afraid of, and they remember it. So that's how they use it against you type yeah, thing. And, and you know? Jerry says that they can use your whole memories, like your whole mind. They're in there, and they can see everything that you've hidden and everything that you're ashamed of. And they like use that to bring it up to then you feel bad. And then they like, you know, drink the juice, the, the louche, you know? Yes. The um, louche. Mm -hmm. You said to, you said a couple times, like you're saying that they don't like the light. So uh, to be happy and fake it till you make it. But um, that was interesting to me because like, uh, well, I wonder if, if these things were created as humans and then they died and then they became ghosts and then they hung around for so long and their addiction to life and the, the louche and they're not wanting to go towards the light. They have to 
feed on the darkness and the evil. Uh, do they transform into these spiders and then just attach to people? I mean, is that like a progression? Someone will go from a ghost that's lost to like um, uh, something that well has the, agency and go ahead please the lost soul the lost souls and again when you do have your time to cross you have the choice of whether to cross over or not if you choose not to cross over you still have your mental illness you still have your addiction you still the cause of death shows um most of the time especially with cancer or corrosive disease it looks like swiss cheese to me in whatever area they were affected you can see the gunshot wound the head cut off i mean all of it some of it's pretty gory but um so they they keep all of that plus they keep all of their senses and i i i you know a lot of times people are like oh well they can't smell well it's not smelling like with an olfactory nerve it's a memory recall so and they like to get the buzz by being around people that have the addictions that they also had and you know even being able to sniff to it to if they put their nose in the smoke or over the top of a drink they're remembering what it smelled like so it's it's coming to them in the same way which on the other side when they do cross over everything is done by thought and so when they think about something like going somewhere they just go but if they think about something and i use my mom's example um, you know, she had crossed over and I'd made mention to her, I said, mom, you know, don't you ever miss the, the taste of the brownies that you used to make or the potato salad? Because she had a unique recipe and it, and it just, of course she was my mother and I thought she was the best cook in the world, but yeah. everybody else thought so too. Awesome. So, you know, so I asked her, I said, don't you ever miss the taste of, you know, your brownies, your uh, barbecued ribs? I mean, don't, don't you miss that and she comes back like a megaphone and she says well we don't eat here and i'm like well yeah yeah i i know that and she said but oh oh hear me did you lose me Uh oh i yep you're back again i don't know what happened okay sorry sorry okay Something, she uh, said uh, telemarker did you spoke she said i we don't eat here and mm-hmm. uh then you uh you were sick then but and then it went blank so okay, okay. we, we don't but eat here we, but yeah we do everything by thought so if we want to go somewhere we're automatically there they can also be six places simultaneous by the way wow. um but when they want to th- when they want to remember a food or want to enjoy a food that they enjoyed on this earth or some other planet some other lifetime for that matter all they have to do is think of it and the flavor and the sensation of eating it comes to them as if they are eating it And so I thought that was interesting. So that's how strong the memory recall can be. So they have it on the other side as well as that they have it here. And when you're, when you, so you do keep all of your senses when you're um, out of your body as well. But the thing is, is what I've noticed is with the schizophrenics, there are, they carry more disembodied souls or lost souls, souls that have chosen not to cross over. And that's why you've got the heads that are all inverted. And usually, I mean, they're they still look like human heads. Kind of, they still have they, faces. They have faces. On them. Right. They don't yes, look like a spider. Right. No, no, no. They have eyes and a nose and a mouth. And usually the mouth is in an O formation and they're, you know, they're uh, whatever way that they want to come across is uh, yeah. Um, so, surprise right yeah <laughs> that's so, really wow okay yeah and the thing about the schizophrenics is that those attachments are not intentionally invited they're more of a parasitic type thing that attaches 
out of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, because there's an option to do it. There's a, there's an opening to do it. So they're opportunists. So they attach in that way. And the person has no way to defend themselves against them. And they try to keep the ball rolling with the negativity and saying horrible things to them. Whereas an archon type attachment that looks completely different, um, that attaches on the backs of people with addiction, either they look like spiders, crabs, they're reptilian, sometimes with a tail, sometimes with a human buttocks. I have seen some snake. I saw a snake for the first time lately, and that was interesting. I hadn't seen one of those before. But um, the thing about those is they are invited. And that's why you, because once you have invited them into your life, and usually they're kind of hovering in the ethers, so to speak, or the peripheral. And a lot of times when a person has died and crossed over that has had an addiction problem because you can cross over if you had an addiction problem or you can choose not to, you know, and the ones that choose not to still have the addiction, but a lot of them do cross over. They leave that archon behind. So it's waiting for a new host. And the thing is, is it, 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 um, so they're, they're, they're like lingering. So that's why they're, you'll see a whole bunch of them lingering around like a high school party out in the woods with a big (laughs) egg. Yeah, I mean they they like that that kind of a space or one of the you know the parties in one of the parents' houses. You know, um, you'll see a lot of them lingering there, and a lot yeah. of time, yeah. yeah. So, do you think that works also with SSRIs? Do they like if someone who ta- has taken SSRIs and all of a sudden they get suicidal ideation and? Uh, they end their life and the family is grieving profusely because it's the worst that, it's, I mean. It's their candy. Right. Yeah, it's so, like their chocolate, their favorite kind of candy. They love that, that, that the person killed themselves so that they can feed off of all of the grief and sorrow within the family. Do you think they're riding the SSRI like the other ones ride the the other drugs? Like the meth addict has this attachment. Do you think that SSRI is another type of drug that will attract specific? Uh, from what that? from what I have seen, and the thing is, is that um, sometimes people don't take their SSRIs correctly, but either way, you know, um, and that, and that can kill you in itself. So sometimes they might encourage you to go off of them so that you can die. So that, you know, the thing is, um, you know, so that they can feed off of that. But what the medications do from what I have seen is they thin the auric field, they thin it. And again, that's like putting cracks in the windshield that enables these things to attach. It does not take them away. Um, it, it, um, and the thing is too, is in my experience as a nurse dealing in end of life care, where people also speak of seeing visions and hearing voices for that matter. And of course the medical field comes rushing in with, uh, Seroquel and Boost Bar and all kinds of other kinds of medication that they don't necessarily always use for schizophrenia and that sort of thing is that, um, these people, I had one lady, for instance, that was still seeing the ghost. I'll be if you want me to share that story, I will. That was Abigail. I don't know if I told you about that I'll, story. I'll write it down here. Okay. Um, she was still seeing ghosts and even 
more as she came closer to her time of crossing over, which is common. Sometimes they can start seeing them as much in a year as a year in advance right. because she's the veil started. The, is she's the blind one. No, no, she's a different one. Okay, the blind one we talked about in the other episode. Please continue. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, so, do, you, do you want me to tell you about Abigail? Uh, or, well, or, yeah. Uh, if it like yes, you you got a thought. Uh, please continue. Yeah. Okay, um, Abigail was a patient. Um, she had come onto my unit with her husband. Well, she and her husband had come to the facility that I was working in because there were three different levels of care, and her husband's health was starting to decline. And during that time frame, um, Abigail slipped and fell and fractured her hip. So she was placed on my unit after surgery while she was going through rehab and stuff like that so that she could walk. And she was talking about seeing her parents. And of course, her parents were dead. So there was one time that I came in on my shift and um, Abigail's upset. And she said to me, she said, Lynn, she said, do you think I'm crazy? And of course, I had known her for almost a month. We had built up this repair. So I came back and I was teasing her. I said, define crazy, you know, and she, she's like, no, no, no. I mean like crazy, crazy. And I'm like, well, no, of course not. You know, why would you even say something like that? You know? Um, and she said, well, because I see my parents, she said, and it makes me happy. And I know that my parents died a long time ago and I'm afraid the doctors are now saying that it's hallucinations and that they're going to start giving me medication for these hallucinations. And I don't want to not be able to see my parents. So it just so happened that that evening in report, I was told that she was going to be discharged the next morning. And so I told her that I said, well, from what I understand, they're going to be discharging you home in the morning. And as your advocate, you have the right to refuse. You can refuse any kind of treatment or medication that they're giving you, as long as you're of sound mind, which, you know, I, I believe that you are, I said, so you can say no, you don't have to take it. So she was happy with that. And she went back to her apartment. But then about six to eight months later, she was back on my unit. She ended up having a very, uh, um, uh, a disease that was moving very quickly that was she didn't know she had. And um, it was actually cancer. I'm not using her name, so I can tell you. Um, but she had she had found out that she had an aggressive cancer. And so she was on my unit again. And this time she was talking about seeing this young woman and a little girl. And in addition to her parents, only this time she was loaded up with Seroquel and, and all of these medications for hallucinations. And there was this one day in particular that... I had volunteered. I was working night shift. I was a single mom at the time, and I was working weekends on a bailer shift, so I'd have Monday through Friday off with my kids. And um, I went ahead and I volunteered to work a day shift for a friend of mine. So I went in, and um, all of the uh, patients had come back from their dinner. And the thing about Abigail was, is these ghosts were so real to her that she would try sneaking cookies from the dining room to bring back to her room to give to the little girl. And this was creating a bug problem. So of course we had to stop her from doing that, but this is how real they were to her. Yeah. So all of the patients are back in their room and I'm pushing my treatment cart down the hallway. And as I'm passing Abigail's room, I see her sitting in a recliner next to a window with one of those big air conditioners like they have in the American hotels underneath. And she's leaning forward with a piece of yellow, butterscotch wrapped candy. And I see standing in front of her, this woman with a little girl standing in front of her. And I mean, the woman had on a long denim skirt and a white peasant top. She had black 
jet black hair parted down the middle. It was, it was long and the little girl stood in front of her. She had little bangs and black hair also, but she was cute. She had this little blue dress with a pinafore, little Mary Jane cute shoes, really, really cute little girl. And I remember thinking to myself as I'm passing, oh, wow, you know, Abigail's got visitors today. I'm so glad because she had no children. She was an only child. So she had no relatives to come in other than her husband, you know, who was uh, ailing at the time and not able to come and see her. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, she's got visitors today. And then I continued on a few steps. And then it hit me. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't remember those people signing in at the nurse's station. So I stepped back because legally, we have to have a head count in the building, just in case there's an emergency, and we have to call the fire department, they need to know how many souls are in the building to get out. So um, I stepped back, and I knocked on her doorframe, and she invited me in, and I walked in, and of course, there's nothing there. But the way that I see spirits is I can see them as clearly as I can see you out of my peripheral vision. When they're in front of me at a distance, it's they're kind of opaque, like, like the reflection that you would see if you are in daylight walking up to a plate glass window, let's say on a mall, and you see the reflection of yourself. That is how they appear to me. And when they're close up to me, it, it's like a waffling in the air, kind of like gas fumes or heat vapors off of a road, that rippling, waffling to the air. So I'm standing there in her room and I can see this waffling to the air right next to me. So I know that they're still present. Abigail says to me, she says, she says, I want you to meet my friends. She says, isn't the little girl beautiful? And I said, yes, she is. And Abigail just about came out out of her chair and she said, can you see them? And I said, yes. And she said, don't tell anybody because they'll think you're crazy and put you on medication. So here this woman had the wherewithal, even though she's give, being given all of this medication, she's still seeing the, the spirit um, spirits because they're not hallucinations. So, you know, even on the medication, and she had the wherewithal to know the difference, to even warn me, don't tell anybody. They'll think you're crazy and put you on meds. So, you know, and, and, I, you know, I had that happen quite a bit. As you had mentioned, the blind lady too. I mean, there are yeah. just so many times that there's so much more to just feeding them, the, uh, just tending to the physical and mental and emotional part of people. The emotional part is fleeting, by the way. You know, sometimes we get stuck in our emotions, and in that moment, we think that that emotion is going to last forever, and it doesn't. So, which is fortunate, which is a good thing. So, you know, sometimes people have to let that part go. And it's important that they do because the emotions can really mess up the energetic thought patterns. And when you, you, when you're thinking something, it's the same as speaking something and you want to put more positive things out into it. And, and when you are thinking it and then speaking it, it's like a double whammy because now you've thought it and you're speaking it. So you really need to be responsible for your thoughts. And, um, and and how you speak. <laughs> so. That's wonderful. That means a lot. I mean, and what also what we've learned from Jerry is that, you know, they, they try to teach us or they try to make us think that their words are our thoughts. So you have to be aware of what thought is yours. You know, like we are, we're like a radio receiver and our soul mm-hmm. connects to here. Like we, this is our domain. This body of mine is is mine, given to me, and these demons want 
to feel my feelings. You know, they hover. It's just they do. Wow, they do. And the thing that's very, very important is, um, you know, you're not going to, you are not going to think any negative thoughts about yourself. Anything that you hear that is telling you to, and and that's why too with with houses that are haunted and parents that have children and their children. I've written in in my book um, Omnipresent. You know, the worst thing that you can do with a child is if the child comes to you and tells you more than one time that let's just say that there's something standing at the foot of their bed disturbing their sleep at night. And it, and the worst thing that you can do is tell them, oh, well, you know, there's nothing there. Or maybe it's your Aunt Lulu coming, your guardian angel, your Aunt Lulu coming to watch over you. Well, if it was Aunt Lulu, she wouldn't be shaking their bed, pulling the covers off and scaring the bejesus out of the kid during the middle of the night. So the most important thing that you can do instead of saying, oh, there's nothing there or you're making it up or it's your imagination or, you know, or just stop talking about it. You need to ask them, number one, is it asking you to do, first of all, does it make you feel uncomfortable? And secondly, you need to ask them, is it asking you or telling you to do something that you know you're not supposed to? Hmm. These are key pieces. If they answer yes to one or both, it's not Aunt Lulu and you need to do something. You need to give that child some skills to tell it no and go away. And the thing is, is with people with with the schizophrenia and some of the mental um, issues that they have, when these thoughts come into their minds, you need to say, no, that's a lie. You need to you need to call it. uh, You need to call them on their shite. (laughs) You can swear if you like. Okay, (laughs) you, you do. You need to call them on their shit and say, that is a lie. That is a lie. No, I don't believe that. No, I'm not going to do that. That's your plan, not mine. So you and and, that's how I treat the media. It's like when I watch the news, is no, that's a lie. And it doesn't get in my head properly, you know, like it doesn't brainwash me like the others. No, and and that makes sense. And we know that and we know the truth, but it but this is it is important because then you're no longer a fun playmate. Because you're not listening and doing everything that they tell you to do and believing everything that they want you to believe. So they're going to wait for the next person you pass in the grocery store to jump onto if you're no fun to play with. And they're not getting the the loosh from you. Exactly. So they're not being fed properly and they're just going to jump to the next one that actually has like a a fat juicy one that they can feed (laughs) on. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and and it's it's true. It is, I mean... If you're no, so either you have to make it no fun for them to, you know, be hovering on you or or connected to you in that way, right. you know, or yeah, yeah. I mean, and not that you or want it to go jump. Find on somebody, somebody else. that can release them, like like you or your friends that can exactly help get them. Yeah. Running. Now, but still, called, even with the addiction ones, you still have to stop doing the meth or whatever it is. You know what yes. I mean? Because that right there is an open door. Right, because they'll because they're hovering above, they're waiting for you to just fall back into it. And they're the ones that are whispering, saying, "Oh, one sip of that drink won't hurt you." Right. Oh, well, you know, we haven't we haven't viewed our porno in a while. Um, Wouldn't you like to go back and see so and so? You, you know, all right, yeah, I'm going to tell it to you straight. You know, you think that you are having your private moment in one of those peep shows. I've got news for you. You have a whole fan club there with you, watching with you, and you probably should be paying admission for what you're doing in there. So, 
You know, I mean, seriously. Um, it makes not- sense too, because like the, the dark forces create all kinds of porn. And then like, I mean, the internet is like mostly porn. And then when I talk to victims of like, organized crime child abuse child trafficking and stuff it's always like it's not just that they're getting raped by adults when they're kids it's all on camera and they're making porn and the people that are doing the rape they they fall like you know uh Carrie Olaje, one of my previous guests, her dad would watch snuff porn when he jerked off. And then he would like, while he was using her body, like he would be watching that. And then like he sold her into the cult and then she was being used in blackmail for these military dudes. You know, it was all on camera. It's all pornography. It's like, and blackmail and shame and guilt and that i mean look at epstein everything oh, know, was right? wired like it was all cameras and it you know so well even it even, makes sense that the demons want that like the same thing like that the people the evil people are working for the demons again with you know it's true and, and not to kill everybody's fire when it comes to movies but you've got to realize <laughs> that when you are watching even a really, really violent, gory, cut your head off, like the, what is that, that chainsaw massacre kind of thing? Yeah. You are metabolizing that as a thought in your brain. And as you metabolize that as a thought in your brain, it comes back out. Hmm. Again, being responsible for your thoughts. Wow. because Because you are thinking about it in that moment. So it is coming in through your eyes and into your brain, but it is coming back out in that thought form, even if you're not verbalizing it. And every time you think about it and you tell people about, oh, that movie, it was awful, or oh, that movie, you got to see it kind of thing, you're remembering some of the more gory parts or the, yeah. the things. And, you know, that happens too. And that's the same thing with pornography. Once it goes in, it you know, it comes back out. And, huh. and these things that people are watching, it comes out over and over and over again, which just builds up more of that. You know, there are these things that I've seen that they talk about as shadow people. I've seen them as snakes. I've seen mm-hmm. them as silhouettes of people. I've seen them as these ovoid fluttering things that go across the floor. They do come down on the floor. They'll get up on your furniture. Um, and they can sometimes even look like a black cat kind of jumping off of your furniture, slithering down and going across the floor. These things are man-made. These things are the conscious, the collective consciousness in your in your home of all of the fighting that you've done, the negativity that you've done. Wow. When I when I went through my my divorce, of course there was bickering in the family, and we started seeing this ovoid thing fluttering across the floor, and I knew what it was. And um, the thing is, is most people won't recognize it as as that sort of a, of a thing. And of course, my ex husband had a porn, porn yeah. We won't even go there, but yeah, he had a few addictions that uh, um, would draw that sort of thing in. But anyway, um, so I knew the thing about those is because they're man-made, they will continue to grow and grow as they collect the negativity in the house. And eventually they become platforms for darker things such as demons to come in or poltergeists to come in on them as platforms. So... But the thing is, is they're easier if you can, they will dissolve with sage and sage I'm, I'm, I am a semi fan of because it seems like every time somebody sees a ghost or a demon or something in their house, first of all, they all scream demon, even if it's a ghost, 99.9% of the time, it's not a demon. 
It's either a disembodied soul or a poltergeist or something created or an elemental uh, for that matter. And um, it's not, but the sage will work with neutralizing the space and it will take the forming um, silhouette of those, those shadow things away. So you can dissolve those before they come matured platforms. And that's important that people do. And that's why even if you're not aware of them, everybody has arguments. Everybody, you know, you need to clear your house at least once a month with a good saging and cleaning out just to neutralize any of the micrometastasis, I call it, of, of things so that nothing does develop and it keeps all of that clear. So yeah. that's really interesting. And that, that's helpful to know. Um, and you were, you were talking with Jerry last time about how, uh, well, I guess Jerry was saying about sometimes they have eyes that you can, that are visible to the addict. And then sometimes they're just a shadow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were speculating on maybe that's like if it has eyes, then it has been inhabited by one of those uh, things. So uh, you you well, were just talking about demons and humans. Right? Let me just uh, ask: Are demons ex-humans? <laughs> no. No. They mm-hmm. do they come from the beginning? Uh, what? Uh, Begin like creation. Uh, I, mean, I guess I don't know if you would know that. But please you know, explain. I'm I'm learning on that subject too, and of course, people. You know, they place certain things in categories, but some of the things that people that have more gifts than me that are coming up with, um, they are definitely something that is a very very negative force. They like to be recognized but not exposed. Um, there are probably going to be orbs popping around my house here in just a little, little bit because whenever oh, I, this no. subject goes into this, that happens. It's okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Okay. I, I, I'm not afraid. They know me by name. I'm haunted already. So, um, but I'm not afraid. So therefore, there's no feeding frenzy Good. type thing because I've seen one face to face. There goes a pop right now. So anyway, um, um, I'm sorry. Ask me that question again. I got off the beat. I asked, "Are demons ex-humans? Like, no, do the no, humans not. like stuck here, and they've metastasized in their in their uh, shunning of the light? And th- do they evolve? I get not evolve, but do they mutate into? There are a set amount of demons. They are some form of fallen being that is more to the negative to the light and i'm not saying fallen angels per se um they're kind of like the video game players and we're the game so Hmm. they're like their type thing if that makes sense and also you know um a lot of stuff they're doing they're doing it remotely and sometimes they need to come more forward um, but there are there is when I was dealing with that haunted house issue, I learned that not only is there a hierarchy of angels, and of course there, it's way beyond that. There are so many books that are missing in the Bible that talk about even women that, uh, and not you know that I'm all, um, what is it, the women's lib or anything like that. I think <laughs> you know, but there are books missing in there are very, very strong, amazing things that women did as well as there are books. They're just books missing. So there's a lot that we don't know because those things were taken out. But, you know, there are also things that mask. um, And 
they they can mask as demons, they can mask as humans. I'm not sure if it's some kind of an alien form or something like that. I'm learning about that myself. I was actually watching a show about two nights ago with a demonologist named Nathaniel Gillis, and he's absolutely amazing. And when you think of demonologist, you know, that's like a mortician. Who would want to be that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And even that one's a, that, a, demon, a demonologist is like some uh, mortician on steroids. So, but it's not that he's like this evil, creepy guy. He's actually uh, this amazing soul. He's very loving and kind, and he's really, really knows what he's talking about. But he was talking about this thing too, where some of these things can even in meditation pose as your parent or pose as a loved one guiding you, and it can be a mask. So, um, you know, because like, Recently, my son was meditating and he was talking about my mother kept coming to him. And he said, but then he started to notice that my mother was asking him to do things or saying, you know, that he knew that she would not have asked him to do and that he wasn't okay with doing, you know, like even to encourage him to sell his car. Well, you need your car. And he sold his car, which was a stupid thing to do. But he thought because... It was encouraging. My my mother's spirit was telling him it was the right thing to do so that he could invest in crypto at a bad time. The crypto was going down and he listened. But then he realized that it wasn't really my mother. And when he confronted it, and that's the main thing with confrontation, when he confronted it, it started to echo off and disappear laughing because he had called them on their shit. When he raised it, he was like, you're not my, my grandmother. My grandmother would never ask me to do something like that. <laughs> and then they would go off and disappear. Wow. And this is And this is what... It's like a scary Hollywood movie. <laughs> it is. And this is what Nathaniel Gillis was talking about. I've actually, when I had, I, I'm not doing a podcast right now of my own because I just don't have time, but I'm guests on people's shows and I had him on one of my shows um, and he is an excellent guest too, by the way. He can really get into some deep stuff that'll make your Nathaniel hair stand Nathaniel Gillis, G I L L I S. Yeah, I'll hook you up with him. He's okay. actually, um, I, I think he's on his way to Manchester, um, England. He's been called over. He lives in the states, but he's been called over to Manchester um, to do a, um, uh, I don't know if it's a workshop or if he's doing a forum there of some kind. But because of Good. his his intel he's he's extremely intelligent and um he's a very good person to me he's one of those people that are top shelf that way that's great but um i'll hook you up with him if you, you want he awesome. he will blow your mind okay <laughs> you know and the thing is too is he's the one that taught me that you need to always have something iron on you iron this, bracelet yes you can get these in etsy for 12 to $18, depending. They kind of have that separation there. Get one for your wife. Even get a little one for your kid. You know? I know a blacksmith. I might actually call him and ask him. Yeah. You can, any kind of religious symbol. And again, it doesn't matter if it's a cross or a star of David or what it is, as long as it's something to you that represents something of the light. But it needs to be made in iron. Because back in olden days, um, iron fences were put around the graveyards, and it was to keep the spirits inside. And really, and I and I have tried a lot of things. I've had to do a lot of things, but this has been more beneficial to me than anything. And you need to, if you get a bracelet, you need to wear it on the left side. That is the side that receives. For one thing, it's also considered the death side for some reason. But 
um, it's the side that receives. So you need to wear your it on your left side, interesting, which is important. So, but he can tell you that was how he ended one of his shows too. And I'm like, yeah, me, me, I've got this on because of you. <laughs> So and it and it really has helped a lot. And I had mentioned this recently, just on a show yesterday that I was on with Jerry in Japan, and um, I had mentioned about the bracelet to him, and I said, you know, I'm wondering how this would work with people with schizophrenia mm. to get these bracelets and to um, wear them just to see. He you should know? experiment with that. I mean, I guess he right. he does private practice, uh, but. Uh... Yeah, that would be great to have him experiment with that. Well, and it just, you know. I wonder if a ring would work too, if like a, like if somebody's wearing on their left hand, because there's supposedly the, a vein that goes straight to the heart from the third finger and like. Mm -hmm. It should. Interesting. As long as you've got it on you and you're wearing it, putting it in your pocket is okay, but you really want it on you. And it needs to be something that you never take off. Yeah. With the exception of going through an airport, you have to slip it in your, your wife's purse or something, or your, you yeah. know, and then you put it back on right afterwards. So. I wonder. I wonder why, like iron, I guess that and that that's like the core of the earth. I mean, it, and then when the sun is producing elements, it like it gets to iron and then it collapses. Uh, and then a supernova creates all the other elements. Like, I'm not sure. I wonder what iron. That's... Nathaniel, Nathaniel would be able to t- tell you the down low on on that. But that's something yeah. out of all of the things. That's the one thing that he recommends uh, mostly right. for protection, because there is this paralleling spiritual world that parallels ours, and and it and sometimes it seeps through and creates interference or sometimes it's invited in you know these right now they have a um a barbie and ken a pink and a blue um ouija board now oh no are you kidding i'm not kidding I'm, i'm not kidding i mean you have to be 21 to drink you have to be 16 to get a driver's license and 15 to get a permit, but you can be eight years old opening portals to let dark yeah. entities in. Yeah. You know, with, well, that's what with Barbie that. does anyway. Like I did a couple <laughs> shows on Barbie that was created by Satanists for real. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. It's, you know, a, a lot has, a, there's a lot has, I mean, we're paralleling yeah. with things that you wouldn't even, I mean, I mean, I was telling you about that elemental too, and not to go off the beaten path, but I mean, there are so oh, no. many things. Even with a show that you don't know if there are hybrids that are paralleling us from other places, even for that matter. You just don't know right, who's standing right. next to you. Like maybe it's not a human non-corporeal spirit. Maybe it came from another planet and that spirit traveled here. Like I think that, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but I think the only interplanetary transport is via just your soul you know you leave behind all because my body's made of the earth right and it belongs mm-hmm. here it's it belongs like i can't just steal my body and run off to some other place and you know i need the earth to live like all this like um and so once we're free from our body maybe the other planets are other whatever the other places where life exists we can incorporate there and get the next message or the next you know level or something maybe there's people that hijack their way over to this earth or over this planet and now they're they're here they can't incorporate because they're not like from here they can't uh 
you know, do the normal being a birthed into and reincarnation or whatnot. So, so they like, replace people. Hence, look at our government. <laughs> yeah. And okay. yeah, like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay, well, the, I mean, we can't say any names because uh, FluffTube will kick you off of their. Oh, I'm not it putting on, it on. You, I won't put it on you. Go ahead and <laughs> tell out, tell but, spill the beans. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, look, look I do. at, yeah. Like, so. I mean, and if you look at what you know Epstein and what he was doing with the government and how they were abusing the children, and I mean that, and it was a revolving door of that and they had younger and younger kids there was kids as young as 10 they were involved with epstein i mean it wasn't just like oh she was 17 and she was a woman about town you know they were true predators on these kids yeah and so like and that's you know the royal family of england and all these politicians that they won't give us the names you know uh, certainly clinton you know i mean obviously those people too are demonized like they i mean they a lot of them go to black robes you know uh, dark rituals a lot of them participate in some of the most heinous acts that are all caught on camera used in blackmail and then they but then it also benefits them they feed on these uh, like the humans will drink the like the infused blood like they drink the pain of another person just like the demons drink the pain of the victim that they're attached to mm-hmm. it's it's weird how the human while still incorporated in flesh are becoming demon they're becoming like working for the demon uh, i i i believe that there are some souls that are taken out at one point and replaced Right. Can very right. well be. I mean, I've seen I've seen aliens before, but I haven't seen alien, you know, I mean I I had a patient one time that I I was I actually had asked Linda Moulton how this question and I ended up on her show because of this question and uh, because I had a patient out of 23 rooms, there was this one room all the way at the end of the hallway on the left-hand side. And there was this lady who I absolutely adored, but she always looked like a wild-eyed rabbit. She had these big eyes. And, um, and the thing about her was is that on multiple occasions, not every time, but you know, sometimes there'd be a, a lapse of months in between. I worked at this place for 10 years. She was in the facility maybe two. So during this two-year period that she was there, there were multiple times that I went down to her room. And... Um, she had, she would have her medication brought to her at 1030 because she liked staying up later than most of the other ones were in bed by seven o'clock. So I would take her sleeping pill and her pain medicine and stuff down to her um, at like 1030. And there were multiple times that when I stepped into the room, she was laying on the side of her bed facing the door. And there was like this ectoplasmic thin wall thin enough that i could see through it and these beings that were standing behind her with this veil thinking that they were masking themselves from me but i could see through it and they literally were like an old time telephone operator with those boards they would pull the plugs out and plug them back in whoa yeah i mean you're i'm sure you're way too young to remember no i know what you're talking about and they looked like that's what they were doing 
that they wow. were pulling something out and plugging something in in a different place. And they just kept on right on going, even though I was standing in the room. And I couldn't keep my, my phone battery would drain my blood pressure cup that I had just taken off the charger that was full, taken into her room, was dead within minutes of walking in that room. I even had at one point called for a CNA to bring me another one. It was full. It died. Finally, I just started taking a manual blood pressure cup down there because with her medication, she had cardiac meds, and I had to check her blood pressure and pulse before giving them to make sure that she was in a range that they were okay to give. But you couldn't carry anything out of, in that room when those things were present that wouldn't drain the batteries from. And there was they, they were all identical. The first time there were three of them, they were all identical. Um, they had this blocked off type head thing on where you couldn't see their face. It was a material, but the material was over their face. So I couldn't see eyes or nose or a mouth or anything. It was just like a flap that hung over that they were looking through. And they wore the same thing every single time they came. However, one time there were five of them and one of the five was much taller than the rest. All of the rest were identical size, identical looking. So I don't know if they were some kind of a, not Android, if they were being- Yeah, like a clone robot, yes, basically, yeah. Like they were being operated by something farther away and they were just there doing what they were supposed to wow. do. But this one actually walked through me. And the feeling that it felt like was almost a burning energetic, I mean, I could feel it in my teeth. And it was very quick and short, but um, I, I said out loud, I said, oh, excuse me. You know, it walked through me. I'm like, oh, excuse me. You know, just wow. automatic because that's what I would do if I had bumped into a person. And the lady right. said to me, she says, oh, no, it's fine, honey. She said, um, you know, she didn't realize that I was seeing what was going on either. But she thought that I was apologizing to her that I bumped her or something and I didn't. Right. But I will never forget that. And um, it, those things would only be in her room and they would only be coming to visit her. And every time they would come to visit, they would be doing that, pulling the things out and, and putting, plugging them back in. And when she passed away, I never saw them again on the unit. They were never mm. in that room again, ever. And I mean, I worked there for like, you know, three or four more years after that. So I never had that encounter again. And because of that, I had asked on, um, on Linda Moten Howell if there were hybrids here, because I think one of my patients was one. And that's how we got into that conversation. And I really, to this day, still think that she was a hybrid. I really, really do. So so you think that that's why they're messing with the genetics? Uh, why the, the genetics of human race are at stake now? Because uh, the new doctor uh, priest class is just taking over and they say, we're going to modify your DNA with these. You know, I... Uh, Hmm. There's there's something there's something else going on besides just there's something evil going on. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah. I I don't know even how much to go into it because I don't want to have men in black coats knocking at my front door. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? So um yeah. but there but there is something going on on a level that that it's like he, a reaping. 
Yes, that people are becoming more aware of that are being spiritually enlightened. And we really, really, really need to have a parting of the sea moment in some way that if there is a being that I believe that there is a being that is over most, you know, over like a hierarchy, like yes. a pope of, pope of evil, right? You know, and I or and I believe I believe that there's a creator, and it's time for that creator to step up and say enough. Yeah, right. You know, right, enough, right. and to give them that that Red Sea moment and get rid of the riffraff. You know, so you know, I think that like God, in my opinion, from what I've learned, God acts through people, right? So really, God does have the power to do this, because if we all work together in unison to just mm-hmm. say, get the F off of us, you know, the, it's like 1% mm-hmm. of 1% that are the controlling predator class. You know, it'd be easy to stomp them like a bug. Like well, and a- that's why you're having this show. You're yeah, having this show right. because you're one of the ones with the big boots on that are going to stomp them like ants. Because... Yeah. This is bringing the awareness to people that need it the most. The people that are being looked at as mentally ill and um, disabled, um, that are really the light anchors Hmm. and light bearers that are holding the light, that are being interfered with by these negative things because they don't, because the darkness can't hide in the light. So they try to, and I, I was mentioning to you about the pain thing too. Um, which I oh, didn't right. want to forget. Yeah, which we is wrote important. that down. We can. T- we should talk about that. Yeah, you know when when um, when I was dealing with that haunted house that I never moved into. It was so bad. The one from your book, Omnipresent. Yes. That people should all see. This and one. Read and this is an yes. actual event that occurred in the master bathroom while my son was sitting on the toilet. This is what he saw coming in at him. He oh, helped man. me design this cover to be exact. And to this day, at 25 years old, he still will not sleep without the light on. Oh, this is man. an actual picture of the house in the second book. And if you look at the window, do you see the face? Oh, yeah. That's a demon. Looks like a, uh, yeah, somebody with their hand to their chin, kind of. Yeah, yeah that, yep. Um, wow. That is a demon. Um, I didn't know it was there. I took this picture. And myself, when I was trying to list it for for sale by owner. But anyway, back to photography this. is amazing. I something it does magic things sometimes. Go it ahead, does, please. especially yeah. now. Um, so I finally had I, I had thirteen den- different denominations of religion trying to get the things out of the house. There were in fact two demons and a young man that had hung himself in the house. Oh, no. um, and and these were real demons. These weren't. I think I got a demon in my house. I had two. I had a. They had names. Dog. I had a hell dog and I had a, what I learned is that there's a hierarchy of angels in this direction. There is a sub hierarchy that as you go lower, they're stronger. So I had like a level five and a level two or one. Cause the one thing looked like a gargoyle thing, like the green monkeys from wizard of Oz, but a bumpy head and gangly legs. The other one was looked was a hell dog. And anyway, this is a the hell dog in the window. And I didn't know that that was even there when I took the picture. Wow. So anyway, um, when I finally had the, the last time that I had somebody come um, just as a one last ditch effort to get the things out so I can move into the house. I had already, I was paying the mortgage on it for eight months. You know, <laughs> it's not like you can go back and hand it back to the bank and say, gee, 
Uh, This house is haunted and I don't want it anymore. I mean, even insurance companies recognize an act of God or mother nature, you know, a house fall, a tree falls on your house or flood, you know, you get flooded, but nobody talks about this part of this thing. So, um, of course not. No, no of course not. They're all Just, materialists, atheists, you know. Exactly. And it, plus, it makes them creeped out, you know, because right. they're re- there's a part of them that really knows that it exists, but they just don't go there. They'd rather have their head in the sand. Yeah. So, in this case, the house was, uh, was, on a, um, was on a half acre lot and it was recessed in, so it had a nice long driveway. And my daughter had been, she was 13 years old. She had been complaining and complaining for several weeks of, pain in her shoulder. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, it was her backpack that she was carrying because it had to weigh 35 to 50 pounds. They didn't have lockers. So she's hauling all these books back and forth every day. And it was, and here she wasn't, you know, she wasn't that big. I mean, the backpack probably was half of her weight. So um, there was one day in particular that, I mean, and she wasn't drug seeking because all I had in the house was Tylenol and Advil. You know what I mean? I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs or anything like that. I mean, I was a single mother. I couldn't afford the luxury of having an addiction because I had no money. So, um, you know, and so there was one weekend in particular that I took off because she, even after the Advil and, and doubling up the Tylenol with the Advil, which you can do with kids, it didn't seem to relieve the pain. And so I started to become concerned that maybe she had a clot or some kind of a of a tumor or something growing in her shoulder since, and also to back up, I bought her a rolling backpack instead of the one she would carry, thinking that that would alleviate the pain, and it didn't help. It still so got she worse. wasn't carrying a bag anymore. It was she no. was just rolling it like like luggage. Yes, rolling it like luggage, and so and and it seemed to be getting worse. Wow. So I, I one day it was a Sunday. I took off work and. Um, I I was going to take her to to the um to the emergency room cuz she was complaining so much. But finally she fell asleep and as you know with children when they're sleeping you don't wake them up, you know, you, if she'd woken up then I would have taken her. But the very next day I was supposed to meet this um these two people at the house that were coming to clear the house and one of them was Native American Indian and the other one was just her friend that came along. And so when they pulled up into the driveway I had my daughter with me because after we were leaving there, I was taking her to urgent care. So she was sitting on this little thing out in the front of the house, just sitting there while I was in the driveway talking to the people that had just pulled in. And the lady told me, she said, you know what, if your house had been built over three feet, your house wouldn't be haunted. And then she was explaining to me about ley lines and vortexes and how my house kind of broke into one of those. And that's why I was having a haunting problem in the house of that level. But she said to me, she looked at my daughter and she said, has your daughter been complaining about pain in her shoulder or back? And I, I, I was taken back by the comment because this wasn't something that she and I ever even discussed. I didn't even mention it because I didn't think that it was relevant to anything with the house. Right. So I said to her, I said, well, yes. And I, I said, she's huh. had a lot of pain. And she says, well, she's got an attachment. And I'm not surprised because it's a big one. Whoa. She had picked up an attachment in that house with those things they had placed it on her to debilitate her. Now, see, the, um, the spiritual person was able to remove. She did something energetically that 
retrieved it. She stomped it into the ground and she said, ask your daughter if she's having any pain. And my daughter starts moving her shoulder. And then she starts doing this fanning thing like a helicopter with her arm. And she said, no, my arm feels fine. And I said, no pain at all. And she said, no, I'm fine. And I, I, and she never had pain in it again. So, you know, it was, it was that attachment and see, that's just the thing with pain is sometimes they'll attach to somebody that maybe wouldn't ordinarily have an addiction. And because they're having this unexplainable pain, especially in the back area, because even in the medical field, that's kind of a gray area. They don't know for sure they can, you know, find some things that are causing pain, but you know, it's still kind of a great, it's not as obvious. Maybe the, acu- the acupuncturists of the, of the East know more than that. Like they're, and they're that, able and, to, yep. yeah. And that could very well be. But the thing is, is when a person is not addicted, but they become addicted when they're seeking relief for their pain. So having right. an attachment on them causing pain could put them into a position where they could be trying to relieve the pain and become addicted when they would not have ordinarily been. And then they start the feeding frenzy again. Makes me think of the Sackler family and the opium or the opiate like pushing of the Oxycontin and that, that whole, there were so many people that were told, Oh yeah, it's not addictive. And that was the same people when they invented heroin they invented it for people that are addicted to morphine. They're like, don't worry, this will get you off the morphine. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, heroin. I think that was Bayer, maybe, the people that own Monsanto now, or not people, mm-hmm. the company. Yeah. I, yeah. I personally... So yeah, pain, pain is like, pain is an uh, 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 avenue. It's uh, a way that they can that they can attach. That's one of their methods of attachment. That's what you're right. Saying. And to make it more solid. And the thing is, is somebody could just innocently walk into that. Right. You know, just, right. Uh, just seeking comfort that they wouldn't have ordinarily needed if, if they hadn't had that attachment there. So I'm not saying that all pain is caused by attachments, people, but there are some that could very well be, and it, and it diverts easy people off of their path. Right. Of what of, you know, of what they what they were setting out to do in this lifetime, it debilitates them. So, do you think? Uh, I guess I don't know how to describe it. I know uh, uh, one gentleman that's been on my show. Uh, he he's got Interverse podcast. God, I forget his Chance Garden. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) But anyway, uh, he works with tuning forks and he like tries to help people's energy and he finds like he can see where somebody was traumatized in their body in the past and it can um, just by looking at their aura, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's and there's also like Reiki. Uh, do, you, mm-hmm. uh, do you know you know about that, right? Does yes, that, and, you think and that's that would an that en- help? That's an energy shifting too. But what people these things can can help. But what people don't realize is there are multiple things that have to be done at the same time for it to work effectively and long term. I mean, even Tibetan singing bowls using yeah. those, the vibration will make the, the attachments detach very quickly. But If you don't change, if you don't, you know, in some cases, unless they're like drilled in through your, 
your unless they've got something inside of you as well as on the outside. Wow. But the thing is, is that if you don't clean up your house because they love clutter and it's depressing, um, if you don't change your way of thinking and your habits in order to receive this new elevation and to keep it consistent. I mean, there's so much more to it than just one thing. You have to have multiples and the person has to do their part. If they're not willing to do their part and they want to keep pulling themselves back into that negative mm -hmm. level again and again, you know, oh, well, they're watching me. Well, yeah, but they're not attached to you. So, you know, <laughs> tell it to go away, you know, type thing or, right. um, you know, the more you focus on them, the more they can come in, you know, they come forward with your with your energy type thing. And to get rid of the habits that you were using prior. And not only that, it's a household thing. If if somebody's got attachments, there's got to be more than one person that's got attachments, and they may not even be aware of it. But you can't just go in and clear one person and then have another person still you know, sipping their wine bottle all weekend long, you know, or with their, with their girl. depressed all the time. Right, and, yeah. exactly. Or, or the, the person over here that's cheating on their spouse or their, their, their significant other, or this one over here that's got their gambling habit and they're going to their little flick film afterwards and then they come home. You know, they're loaded with stuff. So yeah. it's like, and it's, and the person, once they have them removed, is kind of vulnerable because it's like now this lighter freedom that they have but they have to be able to maintain it. And it's they have to change the way that they think. They have to take responsibility for their thoughts. And it's so hard to retrain a brain that's been allowed to be two years old and running around like crazy. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Which most, yeah. most and I'm not saying that in a in a lack of intelligence way. Oh, most I get of it. us our brains are blah, 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 you know? I mean yeah. and, and you can't, it's by you, design though. Our our yes. culture has created it that way. <laughs> That's true. It's like trying to grab a slippery fish and it's wiggling. You're trying to get it to hold still. So, um, and, and, it, and people have to be able to do that. So there are some things that they have to do, like in the case of even like the addiction part, nothing can take that attachment off of you in the case of an addiction because you have invited it there. Your behavior, you opened that door, you invited it in. Um, you have to stop doing what you're doing all right. of it, it you know in your order will and your actions that's yeah. true and then it will detach on its own and then it's up to you not to listen to it and say that's a lie you know that's not true that's a lie you know oh just one not that's a lie you've got to <laughs> call them on it and make it right. not fun oh but you've been sober for six months you can have one now you're, yeah, you're good. Like, and another thing, and another thing too, is you had mentioned with addicts that have then gone back, fallen off the wagon, and gone back on drugs, and then they've died. Yeah, I'm going to say this to addicts, even if you, you know, you have a mistake and you fall off, but this is important. The reason why people die once they've been off drugs for a while and then they go back on is because they don't realize that after a month of being off of a substance, the body resets back to zero. So if they're going to start taking that drug again, they have to take it at a much lower dose. And when they are an addict that has been taking a very high dose, they don't realize that. So when they 
go back to start on the drug, they start at the high dose again, and it overwhelms the body and shuts the heart off. So if you are going to cheat, take the lower dose, you know, you know, and I'm not trying to tell you to take it at all, but there are some people that are going to do what they want or they, they do get tripped up, you know, heart life is hard and, and emotional things do happen that affect us, even though they are fleeting for the moment. And, um, but they're very real to us in our bodies at the time that we're experiencing it. So that's what makes it hard. And you have to control that too, but you know, and if you're going to cheat and you're going to do that with someone, I know somebody that's happened to, uh, at least do one at a time, make sure the first one isn't dead yet, you know, and then the other one go, <laughs> you know, cause like when they do both at the same time and they're doing a high dose that has like some kind of other fentanyl or whatever in it, all, then they both die and there's no one there to save the other one. Like at least think it through, you know, because yeah. I mean, anyway, but and, and not, these people not are the, plagued not by that. We're that. Encur- yeah, not that we're encouraging course, people no. to do this. However, if you are Just going be to safe. choose, right. you know, yeah, if you are going to take the responsibility to choose to do this, at least be smart about it. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay. I guess I, I kind of want to change gears. Okay. Um, since we talked last uh, my mother has passed away and mm-hmm. she, uh, she saw a bunny and it wasn't there and she saw people. Mm-hmm. And, um, I asked my stepdad, I was like, well, who were they? And he was like, what do you mean? It's hallucinations. It's like, basically no, don't, a- don't ask <laughs> me. Right. And so can you maybe, Tell us a little bit about how, I mean, I guess you said in the last show about uh, uh, when the blind woman had people visit. Is this a regular thing? Uh, Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit, please? I I sure can. Um, I'm going to try not to to. cry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, please. You know, actually, actually the white bunny was, was one of your mother's pets, not necessarily in this lifetime. And that's the thing about too, is our pets also cross over on the other side and, don't be surprised when you get there if you have a bounding camel or ostrich running up to you, even hmm. though you're expecting the German shepherd that you had in this lifetime, because they'll be there too. But all of the animals that you've had from every lifetime are going to come to show you their love and that they've missed you while you were gone. So don't be surprised. You might even have some things from other planets that, that um, yeah, that you don't recognize. But the thing is, is she yes, had like at least 13 cats at all times, 12 cats, like... You should have seen the feeding time. There's cats everywhere and bunnies too. Man, she's going to have a ball. But like, I'm sure she's loving it up there with, with all the other animals that she's had. Like, uh, um, she, and she, she's got a lot of them. Um, I hope you know, so. The thing is, is, is they do, the thing about, because being in the room with a dead person has such a stigma to it. And I mean dead person in the sense that you've got the person that's transitioning Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're very happy with what they're seeing because yeah, she was smiling. She was very happy yeah, to see them. Yes. Yeah. The filters start to efface and they're able to hear the telepathy coming in from the other side, the spirit world, which is how they communicate as well as they can still hear the verbalization from the people in their physical bodies. And 
they start seeing things even way before their death, but they'll see more of it as it gets closer. And a lot of times when they're going through the rallying stage where they'll go through stages of a very, they're very difficult to rouse. They're in like a heavy, heavy sleep. And sometimes their eyes are half closed and their, their toes are flaccid and all of a sudden they'll perk up and their eyes will brighten and they come back and they'll even start talking about things that they've seen or, or messages that they've gotten on the other side, like children that are still waiting to come in and these sorts of things. But, um, they do come in and when my mother passed away, I don't know if we talked about that the last time. Did we talk about that? I don't think so. Please. Okay. When, when my mother um, passed away, my mother had cancer. And the thing was, is that a lot of times they know ahead of time that they're going to cross. There are three kinds of death. There is natural death, which we most have. There is sudden death. And there is a near-death experience. And they're all handled differently. Um, my mother was going around the facility telling people goodbye. She was telling them she was going home the next day. And she did. She passed away at around 1.30 that afternoon. And she was even telling one lady whose dog had been put down three days earlier that she would care for the dog until that lady had her turn to transition over to retrieve the dog. So when my mom, my mom, uh, when she was actively, it was her time. I was in the room with her. I was the only one there. Um, She had gotten to the point where she could no longer verbalize or open her eyes. And the thing about people is, is that sometimes they wait until the last minute to leave their bodies. And sometimes they'll even leave their body days before and just leave the physical body there to finish. My mother chose to stay until the last minute. And I know this for a fact because even though she couldn't verbalize or open her eyes, she would move her eyebrows up and down and try to mouth words in response. And it was appropriate. My people would come in and they would say, hi, Phyllis. And she would move her eyebrows up and down, and, and she would try to talk to them. Do you want to talk about it off camera? Oh, no, it's, this is great. Uh, okay, so anyway, this is great. Thank as, you. I'm, as I'm sitting, I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm stroking, <sighs> I've, got, I've got her hand in my hand, and I'm holding it, and I'm kind of talking to her. I notice that the, that the wall on the other side of the room starts to mist up with the ectoplasm from floor to ceiling, wall to wall, and I can see movement on the other side. And sometimes I'll see like a shoulder peek out or a pant leg. And I say that because they show up in clothes, people, just so that you know. I mean, if you're transitioning and your mom comes to help you cross over, if she were naked, it would be like, mom, please put some clothes on. So yes, (laughs) they do show up in clothes. Nobody wants to see their mother naked. So so, um, my, the, um, the, um, this thing started to efface up towards the head of her bed, and I saw my my grand my mother's mother. We called her Grandma Girl, and she steps in, and she looked the exact same as I remembered seeing her last. And they will present in the way that you remember seeing them last. However, when they were healthy, so if a mm-hmm. person has deteriorated because of cancer down to seventy pounds, they're not going to come back as stick people. They're mm-hmm. gonna you're going to see them as they were at their healthy point. Okay. And um, so um, they do. And she even presented in glasses. So as, as I was saying, um, I was my grandmother presented in through the opening that was effacing. And um, she stepped over to the bedside on the opposite side of me. And she started, to, my mother was sitting at a slant. 
and she started to stroke the inside of my mother's forearm. And she leaned forward to my mother and said something to her in her ear. And my mother immediately responded to her by the eyebrow and mouthing thing. Mm. As my grandmother was standing away, and this happened three times. While this was happening, I see this frantic wave behind my grandmother's head. And it was my beautiful sister, Robin. Her, her perfume just filled the room. She had a very unique perfume back in the 80s called Latisse. And I could smell her perfume like she was standing next to me. And she came in from around the misting and actually came over to where I was sitting and embraced me. I could feel her hair falling over my face. I was sitting there. I could feel her essence. I could smell her. And then when she went to go back around, the whole wall had effaced. There was no more ectoplasm. I could see into the other side. I could see this huh. beautiful reception that they had created for my mom. I could. There were colors on the other side that you would need many color wheels to <laughs> even accommodate. I mean, it's unimaginable. And the light source, they're kind of emitted from within the atmosphere itself. There wasn't like a set light force. And I could go on and on about some of the stuff that I saw. But there were hundreds of people in there and there were there were people that I recognized from this lifetime and people that I didn't. But of course, when my mother crossed over, she recognized everybody. So um, so while this is happening, I said to my mom, I stood up, I kissed her cheek. I said, Mom, I love you. I'm going to be OK. We'll see each other again soon. I said, um, you know, it's it's time. It's time for you to go home. Grandma and Robin are here to pick you up. And she started doing the mouthing thing and the eyebrow thing in response to what I had said. And she literally took her last breath 10 minutes later. And the thing is, is when you're sitting in the presence of this elation and this beauty of them transitioning her over, you can't help but smile because there are, there are no words that can describe the feeling coming from there there's no feeling that can touch it it just is and it's you like I said you can't help but radiate joy back and you're just I'm beaming so I look over and I see that my mom has stopped breathing and I'm thinking to myself I better call the nurse because if the nurse walks in my mother has just died and stopped breathing and I'm sitting here smiling from ear to ear. That's not a normal response. You know, they might think that I did something to or like put a pillow over her head or something. So I called the nurse and the nurse came in. She walked in through the festivities and the spirits didn't seem to be bothered by it. But let me just back up a little bit before my mother I noticed that my mother had stopped breathing. I was watching some of the events on the other side, and I noticed that a group of spirits huddled towards the head of my mother's bed like in a football huddle. And when they opened up, the spirit of my mother was standing in the center like they were trying to stabilize her spiritual feet. And I mean, it happens different for different people, but there's still, you know, some of the things are the same also. So um, my mother was standing there beaming from ear to ear, and she's being greeted one by one by all of these family members, including my sister that, that had died. She'd been murdered by a jealous boyfriend when she was 20, Robin, that had come around to see me. And, you know, she's so happy. It's like, how can I, how can I even grieve her? Because she's beautiful and she's so happy. And to me, she wasn't dead because I could see her standing right there. You know, so 
it was easier for me. I never grieved my mother's loss. And of course, I'm still in touch with her um, as we speak. And um, the thing about it was, is that there were these beautiful angels that were there with wings, but there were these other beings too that were very, very tall because the ceilings were like 10 feet tall and they were like coming up to here on them as they walked through the room and they were luminous and they had white luminous hair. And I don't know if they were male or female, it didn't matter, they were just gorgeous. They, they, and they looked to be as if they were from somewhere else. And I say that because if you think about it, how many stars there are out there in the universe that are actually sunshines for other solar systems, it would be ignorant on our part to think that we are the only right. beings out there. And if you want to go from an energetic standpoint, um, scientific-wise, energy can't be created or destroyed, and we are energy. So also when things finish out their lifetimes on whatever universe or galaxy they're in, they have to have somewhere else to go. And these beings were at the level of angels, but they didn't have wings. And that's why I say sometimes when people talk about the galactic and all of the thing, and it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys, there's that separation between the two. But really, everybody's right because it all comes together that way. So there are beings, I mean, not like the cryptid animal looking things, those those go somewhere else. They don't go to to this level. But the beautiful luminous things were definitely um, there. And, and I like to share that because everybody's right. So when my mother was being greeted by all of them, you know, in that moment she was having, it was so, I wanted to join in. I didn't want to go stay there permanently, but I wanted to be part of the festivities because, you know, it was just getting to see her, how happy she was and all of the people that I had also missed too. And um, the, room started, the room started to thin out and it literally, when the nurse came in and pronounced that my mom had passed, I asked her, I said, can I stay here with my mom, you know, and spend a little, because I wanted to see what else was going to happen. Because I'm watching all of this going on. And as the room thinned out, it literally took like 20 minutes our time, which I say 20 minutes our time because time is timeless on the other side. We're on linear time here. We've got our days and our hours and our minutes and our seconds. And over there, they have none of that. Time is timeless. Right. Even in my book, and I add this, I did put a part in the book because a lot of people that don't have the understanding of timelessness, they want linear time to understand it. I put in that one day on the other side is equivalent to about 25 of our years, not because they have years on the other side or the definitions of days, they do have rest periods, but so that people could understand what a short period of time we are actually on this earth in comparison to the collective consciousness and everything on the other side. So I had to put it into into linear terms so people that are aware of the timelessness on the other side will say oh no that's not true it's timeless yes it is but i'm speaking to a majority of people that don't have that awareness and i have to give them a component of that time yeah that so, yeah so they can realize that if 25 years is like one day it's like when we leave there to come down here because we're fragments of ourselves to come down here that we're only gone for like what would be equivalent to three days our time. So it's like, oh, I'm going away for the weekend, you know, and now I'm <laughs> back. Type. So 
you know, that's, that's how it works. And the thing is too, is that, um, with my mother and being in communication with my mother's, you know, she talks about, you do have your life review. There was a beautiful reception that was created for her. But of course there, there was this table under this beautiful tree with no food on it. And that's why I asked her the question about the food and it made sense then. Well, of course there's no food because they don't eat, but it's different. They still get the enjoyment of that. Um, there's also a form of sex people. It's called merging, but it's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. Um, then intercourse because it's two energetic bodies fusing together for a period of time and the feeling that is connected in with that our physical bodies would probably stroke out if we experienced it on this time because it's equivalent to the peak of a constant orgasm so you won't get that thrill until you get there but it is, it is worth it also <laughs> well, look so, forward uh, to <laughs> yeah yeah right you know so it's you know it's not all you know, they have a wonderful sense of humor on the other side. And um, she talked about, too, about once they go through the reception, they are guided out and they do go through their life review. They do visit, I call it the Akashic Records. Some people call it Akashic Records. There is a building for that. There's this building with this long hallway that as you're getting to where the records are that have cubbies like cubbies and some of the cubbies have veils and those the ones with the veils over them are your missed opportunities so you had all of these opportunities that you could have taken that you missed and the ones that are opened are the ones that you did in fact take so where you had choice you could go one way or the other so you do go through um your life review and um it's not always pleasant because you when you are in that life review, you go through every detail of your life and the things that were done to you by people, you then peer into their life and what created them to make them the way that they were to be terrible to you. And when you have been mean to someone, it shows the rippling effect of their life and how they, you know, went on with with a stamp on themselves of insecurity or something like that. So you get to see what your actions have created and you get to feel what that person is feeling in that moment. And Whoa. you're not judged. You do have a being with you, um, but you are not judged. You judge yourself. And really, if you think about it, that would be more effective because you could be looking at something and little Johnny hits you in the head, you know, with a ball and you're, you know, so you spit in his face type thing. So you're rational. Well, you spit in little Johnny's face, you gave him pink eye, and then he lost his eyeball, you know, but you're rationalizing when somebody's saying to, well, you, you know, you did this. Well, yeah, I did it because he hit me with a ball. But when you are in it, and you are actively judging yourself, you, you don't have that scapegoat thing. You actually have to feel what the person felt and have the understanding behind it in a more loving way um, that makes you own what you did so that you can grow from it. And wow. something else that is very, very interesting that I found when my sister passed away in June, she actually left her body about 45 minutes early. I saw her come out of her body and my brother greeted her. My entire family is on the other side, except for my children. Um, I do have a half-sister and half-brother here, but my 
immediate family. There were four children with my parents and I'm the only one left. So I've seen a lot of people pass away that way, as well as in my profession. I've seen hundreds of people pass away and as a nurse in palliative care. And, um, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, um, I kind of got off the beaten path of what I was going to say. Oh, uh, you were talking about the, the not, not transitioning and, uh, uh how it was it was a reception on the other side and um here let's i was i wrote down i was actually i i count i was making a note at that moment that i wanted to ask you a question uh oh, no, no. And I, okay. um so, i'll back up a little bit where i was talking about my mom as the, right. I talked about them as my mother the, the the beings there were the there were some angels there were one of the one or two of those it, it, there were beings with her from the other side, as well as my family, including right. one of those tall ones that walked right. with her as they exited out past me on my side. Um, I've never grieved my mother, but, um, you know, my as I mentioned with right. my sister, she chose to leave her body early and go over and her physical body finished. But the one thing That's that I, did, I remember, the one thing that I did notice is that my sister did not want a funeral. She just wanted to be gone and she wanted to have her ashes taken to the ocean where we grew up on. And we played many, 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 many years of our life in Florida on. So when I got the ashes and I wrapped them in a towel, we went to a private beach. I wrapped them to a towel because it was just maybe a quarter of a mile down from the beach that we grew up on and played in. As I'm holding the box to my body, I could feel the energy coming even from her ashes, but it wasn't, they were familiar, but it wasn't, how can I explain this? Um, it was all of the negative stuff left behind with mm. her physical body, her illness, her depression, her anger, her sorrow, her any jealousies that she had were radiating off of that box. And granted, they were still familiar to me as being part of her. It wasn't a good feeling. And I realized in that moment, you know, so many people, they want to get ashes and put it in a pendant against their body to remember their person. They're getting what is shed and left behind as the earthly emotions, but the negative ones. And you need to think about whether you really want to carry that on your body or not. Um, it was so strong that I, I had to turn around and go back. I said, I can't carry her like this because I can feel the energy radiating off. And see, the thing is, is even the negative stuff sometimes will bring comfort to a person if they're not aware because they still feel them. You know what I'm saying? Even though it's, it wasn't the best part of them. Um, so they do leave all of that behind. But I ended up having to get a sand pail, putting her ashes in the sand pail with a cover on it so that they wouldn't blow out so that I could carry it away from my body down to the ocean. I went into the ocean waist deep, lowered it and let it go so that it wouldn't blow back. Most people do it on the edge, get in the water and lower it in there so that the whole thing can go. And she literally swirled around me and then went out. And so, you know, she was happy with, with that choice, but I didn't realize until that moment how those ashes do hold an essence about them, but it is all of the stuff that was the garbage that held them 
in sorrow and held them in suffering here on this earth. And they were in those, in those ashes. All of the parts that the attachments were feeding off of were in that box. So, and that's why I say too, putting it close to your, do you really want to have that negativity on you to draw things even to you that way? You don't realize how it interferes with your, with your field around you. So, you know, yeah, you um, take a piece of her hair or something before she passes so that some of the love and stuff is in there too. get a little clipping of her hair or something like that. Because once they're gone, what's left is the leftovers. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but it is. So, and I didn't realize that. So I, I wanted to share that with people too. Thank you. We actually planned to bring my mom to the beach. Uh, it, it's, we're waiting, but it'll happen probably this year. And well, if you that's do- That's good. I'm going to get in the water. It's for sure. Well, because- so many times people stand at the edge and the wind blows the ashes in their right face. back onto the land too. It just right. goes scatters. So yeah. If you do put them into a sand pail, it's not obvious that you have the little black box that you're carrying down <laughs> green's ashes in it. You put it into a big enough sand pail, put a paper towel or something over it or a little piece of fabric over it that you can take off and hold in your hand so you're not littering. And you take it down to the beach and get into waist deep water and say whatever you want to say to them or prayer or with the people, all of them and submerge it down into the water and the water will clean it out. It might take a couple of minutes for it as you tip it to let the water take it. So, yeah. and that way everything goes, everything goes. Thank so you. It blows back on the thing. So yeah, Thank I, you. yeah. So that's, that's what we have to look forward to. We were in this fleeting moment we're on the, the the edge of as the fire passes and there's that little strip of light that's the lifetime and then the, the rest it like uh, the eternity beyond this is is waiting but it's timeless so it's not well, like it's gonna feel like forever I guess this time thing about it is, too is what people don't realize is that once you've gone through there, there are people that have reincarnated and people that have incarnated, and there's a difference, okay? People that have reincarnated have reincarnated because they still have goals to meet. There are newer souls on this earth with goals to meet. Those of us that have incarnated, like yourself, because you wouldn't be having this show if you were not an incarnate, we volunteered for some ungodly reason to come in at this time where there's so much chaos going on, but we have for it, and we picked our parents. Um, but we came in to this time to anchor the light, to be the light bearers, to get this information out. And if there there is a shifting coming of of the vibrational shifting that's coming and all of us will know at that time what our jobs are whatever that turns out to be but when you reincarnate and you pass and you go over you go through your life review then you go back into schooling and prepare to be reborn onto an earth or a planet in another solar system to meet your goals when you incarnate you go through your life review just as a reflection type of thing and also kind of a um what is it that they do? Like a debriefing kind of thing. Right. You Because you have been through some trauma, but you don't have to come back in if you don't want to. It and helps it, to put it into context 
for yeah. like now you really understand why that happened and because you feel the other person's feeling you know i'm sure people that work at a slaughterhouse are going to have a really messed up life review especially you know because yeah. animals feel feelings too you know and the same thing with like the satanists that do the sra like they I mean, the things that they do are unimaginable and the pain that they cause is so like it, it, it breaks the stitches of time, of like time and space. It's like, I, I mean, it must cause a rift through all the levels of the realms. And then those people, they're going to have to go and have a life review after, after they've been doing this lifetime of yep. dr drinking blood. And, they're going to feel every pain caused. Yeah. And they're going, they're going to have to live the fear. They're going to have to live all of it. And, you know, mm. a lot of times those people choose not to cross over. Those beings, you know, they choose not to cross over because they don't want to have to face up to that. Eventually, mm. you get absorbed, but it takes a long, long time. And that's why there are so many creepy, dark, lurking things on the earth right now that are, that are trying to derail people in that way. And, and it just... You know, the thing about it is, too, is once the reincarnates, they go through school, they come back. And a lot of the lower level beings that are embodied now are not going to be allowed back on this earth. They will be sent somewhere else. Usually they reincarnate over to here or sometimes other planets, too. But because the Earth's energetic vibration is elevating um, with the light, they're not, some of those people aren't going to be returned here. So bit by bit, they'll start to, you know, go away that way. Mm. This is for an incarnate. You, you don't you don't have to go through the schooling unless you've got some questions about something. You go through a debriefing and then heaven almost becomes like an airport with terminals, you know, where you're off to do something else, somewhere else, whatever you want. We do have, there are houses in heaven. Um, actually, and the 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 the, um, the walls are seamless. The buildings are seamless. They're like opalescent alabaster. Um, you can walk through them, that sort of thing. And the thing about it is, too, is that, like for instance, musicians and artists that talk about when they're writing a song, how it just comes to them once they start writing it. It's like the song takes over, and they just write it. And the artist can envision the product finished before they even start painting it. That's because you have written that music before or heard it before, and you have painted that before, and those things are in your homes in heaven. Now, the thing is, even though it becomes like a, an airport that can send you to various places, you don't you can choose to stay in your house in heaven or you can choose to go someplace else and come back. You can also be six places at one time. So, and, and the houses are similar. They do have like chairs and things in them from what I've been told. And your artwork is there that you also painted here. So, you know, there are a lot of things. And again, that doesn't mean that you can't go off somewhere else type thing. As my mom said, everything's done through thought. So you can just think of it and go. You know, if you have never seen the Swiss Alps and you want to see them, well, Swiss Alps. Okay, I'm there. Hovering Amazing. Over. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. Well, well that sounds way better than not going to the light and refusing to cross over and just like leeching off of people's louche. I mean, that maybe that's why the technocrat Satanists want to make this AI shell husk. Like even Crowley, like the this 
uh, magician dude from 100 years ago was trying to make this homunculus, which was a a being that was alive, but it didn't have a soul in it so that you could put whatever else into this thing so that it could maybe like uh, an elemental or, uh, you know, someone, another spirit that's just waiting for a buy, somebody that didn't cross over that's, you know, working with the magician uh, to make slaves, you know, Uh, it's, and I, I wonder if the, the AI, they keep talking. I don't believe it's possible to transfer a soul into a computer, <laughs> but uh, they seem to dream it, and they're trying to make it happen. It's that way. They're like skirting that life review, and they're they don't have to feel that pain. They can stay here in their robot body forever. <laughs> well, and you know what? That that is very very thought because whoever's at the helm that can flip that switch through your phone or to, through whatever device frequency, and they can flip that person into something evil, right. then then all hell breaks loose. So that, that's a scary, scary thought. You know, the thing about it is, is regardless of whether they can create a robot that real, they don't have the spark. They will never, ever, ever have the synapse of life that sparks, not only in our human bodies, but also in utero, the baby, the spark at 10 weeks can be seen. And it starts earlier, but it starts at 10 weeks. So they will never, ever have that. And they will never, ever ha- be able to have the emotions, which might be a good thing in a way. But <laughs> emotions, especially with women, really get in trouble. Um, you know, men are more thinkers, women are more feelers. But um, the emotion a lot of time gets us in trouble, especially when we act on something negative um, because we're assuming that it's a certain way. But they they will never have that. They'll never have the sensory abilities, the psychic ability, the empathic abilities. There's no way that they can produce that into. Um, right. It's like putting them in a prison. Yeah. Like they'll just be trapped in there. They think that they're, it's an escape, but really. Um, yeah, that's pro- I mean, that seems to me that's what it would be. And they love to put people in a prison and other, you know, and be the rulers over them. So, and and they do disgusting things. And that's why I say, you know, with this energetic changing the shift, we're all feeling it. There's something in the air that we're all feeling that's coming, and it's heavy, and it's and it's something that is meant Pluto's to- return. Yes. Exactly. You know, something is going on. All of us are feeling that are empaths. And we really have to have that, for lack of a better word, that parting of the sea moment where it's finally said that it's enough. And those people are just either our vibrations are raised so high that we're invisible to them and we can see each other or they get left behind somewhere, you know what I mean? Or taken somewhere else because enough is enough. And it's, it's been allowed for a long time with freedom of choice, but something's got to give because it's affecting too many people adversely. Yeah. I mean, freedom of choice is great when you have the truth, but they've been occulting the truth and making, you know, like you were, like we said in the, uh, like they don't give informed consent and you know they don't like they don't tell the truth they occult the truth and then we make the wrong choice 
And then we're left for eternity thinking, oh, no, what was I doing? (laughs) You know, and we have to feel the guilt and like, I mean, or even like we, we have to die. I mean, some people, they made the wrong choice regarding the, the, uh, what was advertised so heavily for the past two and three years and still going on and people are dying left and right. <laughs> two X one coming. Right. The X, right. Another one coming. Funny. It's named X, you know, like planet X and Twitter X. And like, if you, again, with you look at Crowley, the sign of the beast is an X with a circle around it. That's the typhonic order, like they say it in there. So and it's like it's, who's running? Who's running our government? I mean, hmm. yeah, I think a lot of those uh, souls left a long time ago. I think there's yeah. else there it has to be, and nobody could be doing the the hidden things that are being done. Right. You know. So it's all blackmail, and it's all evil. Yes. <laughs> They're just husks. It's like the you know the kabbalists talk about the um the the abyss is full of these husks that were just like broken souls that can't they're just uh, they're just husks that's what they you know and they're empty and um it makes sense like uh, it just fits i guess i had to say it but um <laughs> I hook you up with when Nathaniel gets back. I don't. I think he's going to be there for a couple of weeks, um, but I will definitely pass your information on and tell him about. Please, it. Yeah. yeah. Let me. I will be delighted to talk to them I'm and learn more. Yeah. Going to rock your world. <laughs> oh God! You better have stage going or something in your house when it's because, and it's and it's not because he's that way. He, he, from his heart you'll see that he's a really down-to-earth guy mm. and i mean you know if, if you want to say god bless him or bless him because he has a big pair of balls to come forward and 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 to sacrifice his life in the way that he has in order to bring this information forward you know what i'm saying i mean not yeah. people would have the nerve to do that and he does so i'm glad there's heroes like that yes, here he, like incarnated reincarnated i mean because we'd be lost without people yeah. that can help in that he, in that way yeah he was even talking about the fact that um because of what he does he's actually been confronted by some before and they've told him when you die we're going to take your soul <laughs> you know they told him that um, of, of what he's done and I told him I said listen I'm going to be dead before you are because I'm old enough to be your mother and I can promise you when you come to time to pass I'm going to be standing next to your bed and you better come with me as <laughs> I, I said oh oh hell no mama's going to pull open a can of whoop and start swinging you know I said that did not happen Make, I promise you that that's wonderful I'm sure there's many others that'll be there with you like I'm- Helping. And a lot of it is the scare factor. They tell you and they, they, they really are powerless. You know what I'm saying? They, they threaten you to keep you in that herd mentality and doing what they want you to do. You know, yes. so, that's why so many things are hidden from us too, like aliens. 
you never hear them talk about aliens. And now they finally have admitted that they're in touch with aliens, but there are only two news stations that you hear even talking about that. Yet there's just so much evidence that, that it does. It's not even mentioned in the Bible. You know what I mean? All of those pieces have been taken out and hidden because they want to keep that control on people because then people will start to question. Right. You know? Yeah, I wonder if if the Bible, like, I, I, like, I have an affinity for morality and love, and so I, I like the idea uh, of what, what they tell us Jesus is. And, but then I recognize that, that religions use morality like flypaper because humans are basically moral and the controllers understand that. And they're like, Oh, here's, here's your God. It, you know, and then you go and you see this dead body hanging with blood and then you see the stations of the cross and then, you know, and then they're like, Oh, you're drinking his blood. Like, you know, it's like participating in the murder, you know, and you go every week and reminded of this. And and then it's like Rome is the one that killed the guy and Rome is the name of the church, like Roman Catholic. It's it's really like, whoa. And like I I'm thinking that maybe the the morality is just part of the story, just to get us attracted to the religion, to put our faith into it and maybe and then follow the orders. You know, it's like another, an older fashion of control system. Yeah. You know. and, that, and you've got to think about it too. How many times has the Bible been rewritten? Right. King James version. King James was a male chauvinist pig. So he took like 150 books out of it and, and didn't put them back in. And Nathaniel's going to be an excellent one to ask about that. And he's not like a holy roller either. He's not going to try to save you. He's not that kind of, of, of a religious person. Great. You know what I'm saying? He's more yeah. like the sense of spirituality versus that he's not going to, you know, fire brimstone and go to church kind of. <laughs> right. not like I'm not afraid of those people either. Like, I, I love them all, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I want to learn from everybody. So, so I'm glad of that. And my listeners will be happy. Like, I have a lot of different, and I'm actually, I've got a scheduled uh, show with a gentleman this Friday that I'm going to re record with. And, he goes back to the original Greek of the Bible and the, the Septuagint and like the, you know, the new Testament and like what, and then he talks about like what it really says. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> it's, there's some pretty rough stuff in there. And, you know, my listeners will have to tune in. Uh, but so, I mean, it's really interesting how they use that, and they get us to believe. And then if you look at the hierarchy structure of the Roman Catholic church, it's built the same way as the demon hierarchy of the Goetia of the 72 demons and the, the John D, you know, it's like, it's built the same way. It's like a hierarchy of obedience and you run by fear and, you know, they keep you in your place. And it's like a little Man, it's very, it's sad. Like the people can sell their souls into that and then be subsumed into that structure and be one of the worker bees of the evil, you know? Like Jerry talked about how some of those schizophrenia voices, and you were saying earlier today that they're, those are past 
humans, past lives that are there draining. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh, so the thing about that is they are disembodied souls that attach. However, they're always controlled by something a little bit darker. When that woman talked about that one of the things that was talking to her had a very long fingernail that was scratching the inside of her female parts, that was something that was not attached to her. That was something more dark that was around her controlling that. So there always is some other darker, darker leader entity. Yeah, type thing that kind. Yeah, exactly. Like the leader of the band. So yeah. it also kind of keeps them attached. You know, once again, keeps them attached because yeah. Jerry was saying that they, it's like they're clocking, they're punching a clock and they're going to work. And then now they're, okay, I'm here for the shift. And then they, then they leave and then they come back. And, um, and there's many, you know, he says, they respond, we are you when you ask, like, yeah. you know, and it's we, like, it's this we, is it the royal we, you know, is that why the queen talks like that? Or, but I mean, so maybe they are working like, and then I've learned from other researchers that that go into like learning about demonology and the and the uh, the SRA demons that that work with the partitioning of the brains of the uh, dissociative identity uh, victims of the trauma, and those demons have certain rules and hierarchy structures and it's like they're they don't they they already know like the time doesn't exist there so they already have they have this knowledge that they can give about future and whatnot and um so they do have this kind of ability and they can make contracts with people and that are alive that will feed them loose <laughs> i don't know like um it's it's very it's there's a lot to it like the the evil has a structure and it has like a law i guess and jesus was was like a lawyer and he removed people like he removed demons uh and it's it's interesting the way it works and uh, like the demons know they're allowed to work within these certain parameters and then uh, and they're afraid of being sent to the lake of fire, you know, like it's, it's weird. Like, I mean, maybe that's what, uh, and the more people that when, when the Satanists that control our culture, give us this negative life, negative lifestyle shame and guilt fear all the time and then when we're like we never awaken when we're alive and then we we're passing on and then we're stuck in all of this you know we like we love the violence and the sex and the drugs and you know we don't have any morality so we're stuck here because we, maybe we can't progress if we're well, maybe it's a choice thing, but and then it feeds the legions. It makes more of them for their hierarchical structure, for their demon army, I guess. Well, not not demon, but you know, past humans that work for demons in the hierarchy. Like it seems like it's a building of ranks. The worst the, and debauched 
that this world is and that people accept and they choose to make it this way, the more it pushes all of us down into this mire and then we'll never wake up and we'll be stuck here in a hell. Like maybe this realm, if we're not alive, is the hell itself. Like, because they're always wanting that, the hunger and they, you know, what do you think about that? You know, it, it, that it's, it, that's also getting really, really deep, but it, but I believe that the earth is, is the hell. The earth is the hardest planet that there is to live on. When we return from here, we are seen as heroes. (laughs) It takes it because you volunteer to come here and then you're chosen out of a group of the volunteers. And then out of those chosen ones you volunteer again and you go through three different things before you're allowed to come here to make sure that you know because you're in this beautiful you know state of and you don't have any of these negative things it's like are you sure you want to attack on mental illness oh yeah 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 give me mental illness i'll knock that one out too and what about you you want to live in a family where your parents are killed oh yeah 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 give me that too you know type thing because we're and then we get here and then on top of it on top of all the goals that we've set up for ourselves to meet we have all of this paralleling spirit realm that is influencing as well and the thing is too about people choosing to cross over or not it's not just the really really dark negative people sometimes people choose not to cross over because of their religious beliefs. They don't feel worthy. Um, I had a ghost that approached my med cart one time when I was in the, um, when I was in the facility, I had a patient that was actively passing and they do come because they're curious who told me that the reason why he couldn't cross over was because his wife and mistress were on the other side and he didn't, they didn't, one didn't know about the other. So, and he, that's a funny one. (laughs) And he chose to stay for that reason. But there's sometimes, too, that there are beings that maybe there's a caretaker over a child that um, needs a lot of, you know, attention and care because maybe they're debilitated or something. Or they have maybe a caretaker's watching over their husband or wife because they were had a stroke and they assumed that the person they were watching over would cross over before they do. And then the caretaker crosses over first or an animal or a pet that they're watching over. So they stay earthbound continuing to be in the realm of that person. And then when the person themselves passes away, the caretaker gets stuck here because they lose their way over time. So a lot of times when I come across those sorts of souls, um, Sometimes they have to be reminded that they're dead, especially in the case of a sudden death. But those that have died um, naturally, you know, sometimes they, you notice when you see spirits that they're looking straight forward or from side to side or down, they're never looking upward. And if you encourage them to look upward, that cord that's connected with them it doesn't that it disconnects, it dulls when they lose their way. It's still connected, but it, it, it ignites it and it meets with them. And you'll see them within a second, just poof, they're gone because wow. they connected with that and then they go. And so, um, you know, that happens as well. But then there are those um, I've had people tell me about um, 
they they've gone on these these investigations for hauntings and things, which I usually avoid like the plague because they find me anyway, and I don't have to have Blinky to know that they're there. I know that they're there anyway. But um, and not only that, being around that negativity exacerbates illnesses and things like that as well that you have to be careful of because you don't realize that energetic pull that's being taken away from you um, in that way. But um, there are people that have gone on investigations in pubs in places where the mafia used to hang out and all of the ghosts are still there. And you can offer to cross them over even at that time. And they'll choose not to go because they're there with their mistresses and the same thing. They don't want to cross over and have their wife have to face their wife. So, or other reasons that they'll choose to stay. They're like, no, I'm good. You know, and they'll end up staying here um, by choice. So it's funny that they they're choosing to be like they're afraid of their what they're going to hear from their wife or whatever when they get up there. But really what's going to happen is they're going to have the life review and they're going to have to see themselves and they're going to have to confront it themselves and they're going to have to relive it and feel the pain that they caused. And that's really probably way worse than getting yelled at by your wife. You know what I mean? Like a big, a big dose of mushrooms will give you like a, a life review of sorts where you, you know, you, the emotions unfold. Like, um, I actually, like I had a, I took a big dose when a long time ago of some, uh, penis envy. They're like some super mushroom that is, super potent and i took like 3.8 grams which normally is not a big deal but like i felt myself dying and um like i was like apologizing to my dog like i'm sorry i'm dying you know i don't know who's gonna feed you like like i was and i was going through this like thing and i could hear voices that were like oh what a pity is fucking this is a shame you know this idiot like you know like a, what a waste potential like but you know what the hell like as if i had a mission here and i was just like losing my grip on my body and like whoops i was slipping away and like they were almost like judging me and it didn't sound like it didn't seem like my voice i heard them like i didn't recognize it as me judging myself and um it was very interesting and now like now that i'm alive still and whatever you know it's just a really big experience and i'm glad i had it you know um now i feel like i my feet are on the ground and i'm running like i have i'm doing the thing i'm taking the actions um you know i'm not afraid of my life review i've I've said I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I mean, like I've hurt the people I care about the most. And, you know, uh, I've, <laughs> you know, but anyway, like I'm, I think that we, we should all like, if we are doing the actions and living right, like the, the attachers, the, the things that are, we've been talking about, um, won't really have any food. It'll starve them of the food. It'll help them move on. And then you yourself will be more like you are giving yourself 
a righteous life review because you are acting with purpose, you know, with conscious thought and emotions combined in action. And then you're proud of everything. And then, you know, uh, it's like cleaning house all the way. It's like live clean, let your works be seen. I mean, now I have this show. Now I'm like engaged. I'm doing projects. I'm making new artwork. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm trying to focus on family and being dad and being the best husband and dad, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like, I think that just hearing these types of talk maybe will inspire people to get their feet in there under them and to start doing the life that really matters. Um, True. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think that that can heal? Do you think that's, that's a way to? I think I think your example. You're setting a great example. You know what I'm saying. And 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 if you can do it, anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. We all come into this lifetime. We all have baggage, and um, you know, I hate to tell you, yeah, you did ask for your parents. So you know, some of these things you did ask for. But um, if you take responsibility and turn it around, you can do that. You can either choose to be in the mire or you can choose to move forward and to be more in the, in the light. And that's where people need to be. They really need to be. They don't just need to, oh, well, I'm doing that. But yet they're not really. You know what I'm saying? So, Right. And it's a struggle every day to like not drink that drink or to not yell at that person or to not like watch the porn or whatever, you know, like we, it, it, it's like a, we have to be in the action all the time at every moment, be in the moment and do the right action. I mean, you don't realize when you're driving, you're getting on the interstate and that little old lady's in front of you going too slow and you're cussing her out because she's not moving fast enough and you're late to get to work. But what you don't realize is that she is your guardian angel because if you flipping along at the pace that you intended five miles down the road, you could have been in an accident and she prevented you from having that. Instead of yelling obscenities at her, say thank you. Thank you is such a huge word, not only on this earth, but the thank you goes a long way radiating through the many, many, many you know, levels that there are in the, in, in the universe. And, um, yeah. And once you start to know that you're thankful, more things will start to occur for you to be thankful for. And it's baby steps and it's okay, you know, to take baby steps and, and to, and to love yourself too. And again, you know, don't always focus on other people and what they're doing. They're on their own path. You have no control of what other people are doing. And women are really, really, bad about this because they'll meet people especially men that come into their life and they want to fix them and oh maybe if they love me enough they'll change no they won't men are real if men tell you you know uh, that um you know i've got a drug problem they're not going to stop for you so <laughs> you either need to decide whether you want to your life or not and if you move on, then something else will come into your to your lifetime. And the same thing with men, you know, the thing of it's it, women are harder to read because women don't always say what they mean. And they do that mind reading thing a lot of times. But, you know, I mean, 
The difference between a man and a woman is if a man's at his job and he's hating his job and he wants to quit, he will quit and come home and say that he's quit or that he's quitting the end of the week after, you know, to make sure he gets a full paycheck. A woman will come home and complain and complain and complain and complain and that she's going to quit. Then Monday comes, she goes back to work, complain, complain, complain. She's going to quit. And she's still there for three more years. So, you know, that's the difference between the, the male psyche and the female psyche. So I don't even know why I'm bringing that up. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, you, you have to love yourself and do what right. you, and if you can't, if you're one of those people that grew up in a very dysfunctional family and you, you just can't do that. Um, when I became single again as a single mother with children and I started dating people before I would date them, I would envision them and I would say to myself, how would I feel if my daughter chose to date this person? And if I said to myself, oh my God, I would cry for her, then I wouldn't go out with them. Because sometimes you have to focus on something. If you can't love yourself enough, you have to focus on something that you love more than yourself, which is usually your children. And if you would give your children the advice not to do it or to stay away from that person or not to do this, but yet it's something that you're doing yourself, then you need to take your own advice. Right. Man, I got to stop eating snacks and stuff. Like, uh, like I, you know, like Liam, will, my kid will go to bed and like I'll go and, okay, now I can eat the ice cream, you know. <laughs> like I, but, it, you know, I get, anyway. Yeah, we got we got like choices like over and over again that we have to to work on. Well, a little bit of ice cream's okay, and not. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm not trying to not to do it in front of him because I'm telling him sugar's bad. It's addictive. It's a drug, you know. You know? He's getting that you're eating that ice cream on another level. He knows it. Yeah, so, he does. Yeah, he's, he's so smart. <laughs> maybe maybe eating. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I do. But I do need to take your own, take my own advice, like you said. And then like, like I was saying earlier, if we live clean, let our works be seen, be proud and happy of what we're doing, make those choices. And like, eventually the, what we crave and thought we needed, the baggage that we, you know, oh, I need to have that drug or, oh, I need those cigarettes or whatever. Like, just like anything else, if you can go a certain amount of time, that falls away too. And then, you know, all that's left is that floating demon up in the corner, just like whispering in your ear, Hey, smoke a cigarette, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I mean, I'm just like, if we can take the actions, we have the power to make the change. We can starve them. We can, can redirect our life towards the better and have that like larger awareness. Right. That's true. Our minds are so strong and we only use a portion of the capacity of it. And it is so important because you can manifest your future. People watch some manifesting things. There's a lady that has, um, I don't remember her name, but she's an older lady with curly hair. And she's got these short segments that are like five and seven and 10 minutes talking about how to become the millionaire that you want to be. And, and, and it's okay to have things or to want things, but she tells you how to manifest what you want. And so I sit, 
not, not that I'm grandiose and greedy, but I sit in my little Toyota Corolla that's missing one hubcap. And I drive down the road and I sing to myself, I'm driving my new Vogel sedan now. I'm driving my new Vogel sedan. And you make it in that moment. <clears throat> and the thing is, too, is when you manifest, don't just put out there, oh, I want, I want a three-bedroom house for my family. You have to put a time limit on it. Otherwise, your thought, it's coming to you, but it's floating out there, you know, type thing. So you need to put, I am, I am a millionaire now. I'm a millionaire now. I'm a millionaire now. I'm a millionaire now. And then it's hard not to negate it by coming back and saying the next time you run across somebody playing lotto tickets, oh, I never win those things. Well, you've just negated your, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. You've got to be careful of that. You've got to respect. But there are ways that we are met. We can, I mean, some of the masters and things like that, that they talk about, um, St. Germain and, and a lot of the other ones that are on the other side, they can manifest drinks in their hands, you know, and, and people actually have the ability to do that sort of thing as well if they train their mind and keep their thoughts focused. And this lady, she talks about how to manifest things and to envision, you know, to have several sets of stairs and to envision at the top of the stairs where you want to be a year from now and you see yourself there. And then five years from now and you see yourself there. And 10 years from now and you see yourself there. And you keep it in mind that you're at those places at those times and that you can manifest that um, right. thing and that you're mindful enough to do it. If you believe it's true as well. Yes. I've, like I've learned from a friend, Mark Passio, who used to be in the satanic orders and he's quit now. He works for the light now. But uh, he said in those moments, he would be called to, to you know get in the robes and do the do the uh rituals or whatever the uh performance with you know his local chapter and there would be like politicians there and you know bankers and whatever else and uh they'd be like they would all collectively mastermind. They would call it a mastermind when all their minds would think the same thing and they would believe this thing already happened. Like mm -hmm. they would want some bill to pass in the whatever in the government and they imagine it already came true and they already won and they all do it together. And it's like a, like a chorus orchestra of their prayers, I guess. Yeah. evil prayers and it that's what makes it happen that's how they met same way that you're saying it works from both sides is if we believe it's it's true and it is happening and i am on the steps like it can happen it will happen right well and if you do place your like you said as it already has happened and people don't realize too especially women do this a lot and i'm not trying to hit on um beat up women but you know, when you focus on that relationship that's gone wrong and, oh, you know, all the guys that I ever get cheat on me, that's all you're going to continue to get because that's what you're putting out. The, right. You no know, type thing. And cancel clear on that because I, I have faithful men in my life. But, you know, you're putting that out. So it's what's going to be sent back to you again and again and again. If you cut your losses and you say, I have faithful men in my life now. 
I have a man that's going to love me and be faithful to me, or I have a woman that's going to be in my life and love me and be faithful to me, or whatever your preference is, you know, that way. Um, those doors will start to open for you and you will, you'll start to receive. However, you've got to make the changes about yourself to be willing to accept those because if you are dysfunctional in a way and you haven't corrected that kink, then you're going to not be attracted to the healthy person that's going to love you the way you want and be faithful because you still need that painful love of being with the person that's going to cheat on you and create havoc, you know, and have habit created in your life and sorrow. So you do still have to make those changes. Well, We're learning so much that thank you so much. Yeah, um, actually been here for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that I took so much of your time, but the listeners are very thankful and thank you so much for joining us. The, we can see your work at lynnmonet.com. Yes. I'm so. on it. On. I'm in Barnes and Noble. You can order my book even through Walmart. I've got um, four books out now. Omnipresent is the first of a series. It's a. Uh, it's very scary. There. It's um, nonfiction. All of my books are nonfiction. They're all true stories. But this one started it all as a single mother that I uh, bought a haunted house unbeknownst to me that was so haunted that I never moved into it. So that's what this story is about. People wanted to know what happened next. This is an actual picture of part of the front of the house. Of course, there's a demon peeking out the window that talked about what happened next and the things that I found out. It also goes into the mental illness part about it and the attachment part of it. Um, I actually have a picture of that attachment that I was... Did I show the picture of the attachment? I think I showed it to you. showed it on... Oh, the uh, your brother's attachment? No, go ahead and show it while we're recording. Yeah. That is, go ahead, please. Go ahead. You see it? Yes, we do. Uh, what? That is one of the attachments that attach to people with addictions. And that thin thing on its head is floppy. Um, I laid it out like that, but it flops over its face as it turns from the ceiling. I also wrote a book, being um, a nurse of 40 years, I just turned 60 in May, of um, and 17 years of my 40-year nursing career has been in end-of-life care and palliative care. So I wrote this book called Colors of Heaven that um, explains what happens not only from a physical standpoint and the body changes that the body goes through as it transitions into death, but what happens on the spiritual side as well. And it's a very beautiful story for anybody that has recently lost someone. I'm actually going to send you an e-copy if you would like to read um and again i thank you. you yes i do i think that you need it and i think that it will bring a lot of joy to your heart um also um it also tells ways that you can communicate and, and packs that you can make with people on the other side my mother leaves hairs i asked her to so <laughs> Even Thanksgiving, there was one of her long white hairs across the chair on the table. And my sister leaves feathers. She had an aviary. I don't have birds, but I find bird feathers in my house all the time. Wow. So, yeah, and they can do that. So you can make packs with them even once they've crossed over because they can hear you the same as we're talking. Your mom's probably listening in. I know my mother is. So, um, But that was what this book is about. And it talks about... Um, things that can't be disputed when it comes to to heaven and crossing over and things like that and then we go somewhere and then i've got this book that a counselor 
um, asked me to write. Um, I was looking for a book for my now 15-year-old. had a late-life baby at 46. And um, I wanted stuff beyond the birds and the bees and, you know, that sort of thing. And we Can you say the name of the, the book for the listeners that don't aren't watching? It's called The Gap. Yeah, it's what else your adolescent and teen needs to know. And it, it is, it, for anybody that's concerned, it is written gender neutral. I had a hard time. Don't worry about my listeners aren't going to be into that type of stuff. So. <laughs> Just saying, I did have to, so the names, like like Blake could be for a girl or a boy, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, I see, I see. So I wrote it in that way. And um, I did, it does talk about, because, you know, the kids that need this, really need this. I mean, there are some kids that are, come or are insecure or whatever. It does talk about what this movement is and what it means. But it also talks about that it's okay to be who you are and what you were born as. Just because this, fat, this thing is going on doesn't mean that it's not okay to be what you are, what you were born as. And uh, But it goes into everything from, I mean, there are no nude parts in here. The only thing that there are pictures of is the uh, release inside of a trunk and a tie iron. So if ever you get abducted and stuck in a trunk, you can find the, the release lever, of what it looks like, and the tie iron so that you can get it out and where to find it so that you can whack whoever it is that puts you in the trunk in the head when they come to get you out or to pull the trunk release, get out and run with the tie iron in your hand. It shows all of the levers and what they look like um, that people aren't aware are there, that you can open the trunk from the inside of the trunk. It also talks about how to get from a backseat into a trunk and vice versa, so that you can whittle your way, you know, through into to that sort of thing. And it talks about common things like how to clean a refrigerator from top to bottom. And don't forget back on when you're done. So these are things that, you know, kids, you just don't think about, you know, to teach them that are life skills that need to be done. But um, as I mentioned to Sean, the very first chapter is called Your Privates. And it says, you know, just say, I'm not referring to the birds and the bees or the stuff a person has already learned from sex education at school, books, or your parents. I'm talking about the other stuff, the stuff even one's own parents may not be aware of. Let's start with sexually transmitted diseases. And then it goes into that. It talks about female condoms, male condoms, how to use them and what to do if a condom breaks. People, if your children are coming to you, telling you that they're ready uh, to become sexually active, you have one of two choices there. First of all, they're not asking your permission. They're making an announcement. So you have the choice of either getting them what they need to protect their future and not have a pregnancy before they're ready, or you have the choice to say no, because you're thinking that if you get them something that it's encouraging it, it's not. And then you end up with a teenage pregnancy. So, but if your child, this does not encourage that your child has sex, but if your child is having sex, they do need to know what to do if a condom breaks. Um, there are multiple things that they can do that they don't need parental permission for that can stop ovulation, that doesn't abort babies, that doesn't hurt babies, that people aren't even aware of, that they can buy in a drugstore with no prescription. A three-year-old can walk in and get one if they have the money to pay for it. So these things are, are really, really important. And even about putting your phone away on a date. You know, you see kids now, if they're even on a date, they're sitting opposite sides and both of them are on their phone. You know, what is, you know? Or, 
only pull out your phone if the if the conversation lags and you play some music because music always brings people together and also setting healthy boundaries how to say no and what to say they know that they're not supposed to do certain things but they don't have the words and when they're in that age range they're afraid to speak up and say no because they don't want to make the person angry especially if it's somebody that they're romantically interested in so this tells them what to say and how to keep face so that they can say no in a way without having the person um you know get angry with them let me just see i'll tell you just one thing real quick and then it's I'll so very important to teach people that they can say no i mean even adults they don't think that's an option sometimes and we you know we need to keep that that's the most important thing i've had parents read this book and they said that there were things in it that they didn't you know that they didn't know i mean it goes into everything from loaning money to people to to physical boundaries to time limit boundaries to all sorts of things it's like for instance let me just find one healthy sexual boundaries um include consent agreement respect understanding of preference desires and privacy healthy sexual boundaries include asking for consent discussing and asking for what pleases you requesting a condom be used if you want it discussing contraception and it goes on and it says um you know it even tells them how how to say that they want it and also how to say no if they're not ready and a lot of times girls you know they come into this where they're they're afraid to say to say no you know um i'm looking for yeah. one quick well, somebody wanting to borrow your car well i cannot lend out my car i'm the only one on the insurance or you can say i cannot give you any more money i would like um, i'd be happy to help you in any other way so they're saving face and not pissing the person off you know but then the person yeah. oh, no that's okay then because you're still willing to help but you just don't have to give them what you're not because you're setting that boundary right so important so anyway I that's great that you're giving us so many quivers in our you know i mean so many arrows in our quiver to to walk the right path and to help teach the right things to our family like um you, you gave us from your experience and the omnipresent and you gave us from the the other side's experience and then to help the kids in their experience those i i'm so glad that you're putting information pen to paper and making these books real and and i very much am excited to see the uh the, the gift that you're going to send me the digital copy of that book um thank you so much you're very welcome and i think that you do need it and i it's been my pleasure um, to be here with you today. I always, I've enjoyed our conversation. I will be happy to come back anytime because there's still a whole realm of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. On today. So I would be happy, you know, to come back in, you know, five or six months or so, if you want me to, or, you That's know. wonderful. It's um, been, a, it's truly been a delight and we would love to have you back. This is great. Thank you. And that way people don't get tired of hearing me. So, you know, but, um, and by then my other books will be out. Um, the one, one eleven Beckadon drive, which is, this is going to end up being a five book series. Um, that one will be coming out. It's about a male ghost. I have a picture of him that was naked that was going from townhouse to townhouse, crawling in bed and pulling down women's underwear. Wow. I've got the one about the elemental that I was talking with you about coming out. It'll be omnipresent gnome place like home. So, 
talking about that. That's great. Well, I look forward to your future works and thank you so much for joining us on Wake the Dead and thank you for giving us three hours of your time. I know it's a big ask and I appreciate every minute of it. Thank you. Don't forget to give it a thumbs up and subscribe. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at www.lynnlynnmonet.com. Thank you so much, Lynn. And we will look forward to the future, our future conversation. And I hope that uh, your the days coming ahead for you are bright and wonderful. They bring you all the things that you're manifesting in a positive way. And thank you again. And, thank you uh, so much. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, thank you listeners for listening as well. And I hope that it was interesting and uh, we hope to see you next time on Wake the Dead.